0: Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to a very special 20th episode of Shoulders of Giants. This week we're covering Star Wars and uh, there's a lot to talk about, as you might imagine. Also wanted to point out that we received lots of uh, lovely emails from our listeners across the world. And we've included those on our website at shoulderspod.com forward slash Star Wars we strongly encourage you to head over to our webpage, check that out. And if you want to connect with us through the webpage and uh, drop us a line, let us know a film that you might like us to do in the future. Hope you enjoy this uh, very special show.
1: That's my impression of the of the music. Do you like it?
0: Yeah, I'm going to cut it out and cut it back in, and you'll be exactly in the right place.
1: Brilliant, genius.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, look. Welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy.
1: Hello, I'm Sheppy.
0: And we are the What If podcast for movie sequels, prequels, alternative universes everything Sheppy. all in it's celebration like a pol-
1: it's like sliders it's a lot of alternative universes you're jerry o'connell bad luck and i'm uh, john reese davis in it and we're we're sliding around talking about what ifs for different universes i love it we should have said that in episode one but episode 20 jimbo episode 20 very exciting it's a big one
0: the milestone ships, and you've set us a milestone challenge, I think it's fair to say. It's always
1: on my mind. You know, right at the beginning, right at the beginning, when the concept was mooted, I was like, you know, episode one of Shoulders of Giants could you know could easily be about Star Wars and you know, because it's such a crowd pleaser and it's such a big, there are so many what ifs. Um, so I'm so proud of us for waiting for the 20th.
0: FO, I'm sure this won't be the last time we we visit? No I I,
1: I dare say not Uh, but for this one we are doing Star Wars for our 20th which seems seems grand and good and I like it and the one I chose and it taking a lot of willpower especially for you Jumbo, because I know your track record like oh yeah I'll still call it Batman forever absolute gibberish so in any case it's like disassociating ourselves from everything else apart from the original trilogy. So nothing else after 83 in the Star Wars aspect is the same. Um, Although I'm saying droids and Ewoks and Ewoks Caravan of Courage and the other Ewok film, that still exists, you can never get rid of that. You cannot kill which does not live. But in terms of Star Wars, to forget about the prequels, to forget about the sequels, to forget about the extended universe, the novels, which don't really count now anyway, Uh, All of that. And of course, yes, the prequels and then the Clone War mythology, which now is ginormous and it's got a huge fan base. And I don't want to piss anyone off, but this is an alternative universe. I haven't seen any of the Clone Wars um, stuff. Uh, I saw the Jenny Jenny Tarkovsky, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, guy who did um, the Clone Wars. I was a big fan of Samurai Jack. And he did around in 2002, thereabouts, uh, he did a Clone Wars cartoon and I watched that and it was great, but I don't really remember anything about it. And now there's a shit ton of shit and quite right too. But again, I don't know how much of that you know, or you know. of course there's the Mandalorian these days. It's like, we're spoiled for choice. It's a wonderful world we live in. But to disassociate with all of that, take it pure, put your mind back, from to like 1983, just until basically nineteen ninety-five, really, and just like what the possibilities of an episode one could be based on that sort of, you know, viewpoint. I mean and forgetting that. Yeah.
0: Sheppy, I've gone with a very broad brush on that stuff. I've definitely reset, um, but I will just say the Batman Forever shenanigans was a career highlight being coached into a new title by <laughs> you like that on the spot was really quite wonderful coached um, is a nice way of putting it <laughs> bullied bloody fisted bully bully Bullying a thug. Uh, no, it was good, I got there I got, got to a title I'm, I'm really happy with, so that's good news um, that won't be necessary I, today, I'm really proud of my title today, it's, it's a triple pun Shippy. you'll be very pleased oh, it.
1: I, love it. I spent I a love lot it. of time
0: on the title, a lot of time on the cast, and then a very broad brush on what I'm going to do with episode one Right, yeah,
1: so. well it probably shouldn't come as a surprise to any constant listener, or of course yourself that I've gone pretty, I've gone off on one Jimbo, but <laughs> Um, well, there's nothing that can be done about that. Um, but, you know, so, so we'll, have, we'll, we'll jump into that lagoon uh, momentarily. There's so much more, though, Jimbo, that maybe I should just get to. Let me say this first. Was it, I mean, it's Star Wars, Jimbo. Um, big stuff. Now, I don't want to focus on anything else that doesn't exist, you know, in terms of prequels and extended universe. It's just the three, which is, of course, four, five and six. Uh, and then, you know, anything else that we choose. For example, do you remember Han Solo's Revenge?
0: The Book. Yeah. Uh, yes.
1: I do. I took that on holiday to Greece. Um, yeah. that, um That was a book that was written, I guess, in the late 70s, early 80s. It was actually a trilogy of Han Solo adventures, prequels, like, set about five years before A New Hope. So pure, what if, Children's a Giant Ship. And, and Han Solo's Revenge, which is the one we had, um, was the middle book, as it turned out. And a few years later, I found the other two. I read them and all. Um, but that was good. And so that's a little Star Wars random thing that I wanted to shout out.
0: Yeah, I remember I remember enjoying that book. I don't remember anything about it, honestly, apart from the cover. And no, it
1: was Han. It, it was a big chewy. Yeah. And then in the background was Han doing a kind of a Han gun, James Bond pose, shooty yeah. gunny thing, and the Falcon. It was on kind of like a desert planet. We also had, but I never read it, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was written by Alan Dean Foster. And that was, I believe, a direct sequel to episode four. Um, So I don't know if it was like an alternative to Empire or if it just happened before Empire, but um, that's interesting.
0: So basically, in your hands, Sheppy, almost exclusively in terms of agenda, because if we let it loose, we could be here for like five hours, poor old It's listeners. going to be big. So I think it's one of those where, of course, these movies mean a lot to us, as they do to several billion other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's sort of uh, how much do we go into one about what Star Wars means for us and how you want yeah. to play the intro bit, you know?
1: Well, <clears throat> absolutely. Well, I've gone deep, of course, Jimbo. I've really gone deep. Um, so yes, people all know, of course, Star Wars is a big deal, but I've prepared a little statement that I want to read out. You can jump in if you like, but there was just a few things I wanted to say, and I didn't want it to get lost up in the hubbub or if I forgot or just whatever. So just in terms of Star Wars, yes, we all know what Star Wars is. You and I, Jimbo, were born in 77, so we missed out on the initial Star Wars thing. It would have been quite an experience to be, you know, eight in 77. So we were born into a world of Star Wars. Nonetheless, we had our, you know, we grew up in the, and specifically the early 80s, you know, don't know about you, I, of course, remember the early 80s. I even remember bits from as early as 81, but it's a very special type of memory, so I'm very fascinated with that sort of early 80s, not even mid-80s nostalgia. I remember mid-80s much much more clearly. So, so that's interesting, remembering what it was like when Jedi came out, for example, and having the toys. And that sort of connection with Star Wars is something I'm really leaning into for this podcast, as you're about to find out. But I just want to read this quick statement. Um, just some thoughts on the original that do go without saying, but I just want to say them. You know, but obviously Star Wars changed the cinematic landscape. I knew someone at college who resented episode four for its existing because it's so-called "Quote unquote," invented the blockbuster and effectively had kind a of, you know ended the '70s cinema high of you know really Serpico, Godfather, blah, you know all of that um, really really good stuff and went into the '80s. But of course, we love the '80s. But I see his point. But of course, it wasn't Star Wars. If it wasn't Star Wars, and something else would have happened. And of course, Jaws. You know, it was inevitable that it was going to happen. But Star Wars came out at exactly the right time. It was exactly the Right, it was a lightning rod, it was a lightning in the bottle, and it was also, yeah, just the right time for it. Um, and then you know, talking about the experience and having the toys and the playground games and the posters and the bedspreads and the duvets and the oh, yeah, this real stereotypical image of opening a massive box under the tree on Christmas morning to discover like an X Wing or a Falcon if you were lucky, or you know, even like a, a scout bike that was nice. And you know, with a little nostalgia. ejector
0: at the back, I love that. Oh my god, and it Sheppy.
1: popped off. It, Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to interrupt you, but I will just say this one thing no, about no. what your mate was saying. Like, so that in effect, you know, is capitalism, Shepherd, is what he's really pissed off about because. It's always going to evolve. It's a business. You know, there's a lot of people lamenting what Marvel is doing to cinema right now. But the point is, it's making billions of dollars because people like seeing that en masse. It's actually incredibly appealing cinema, right? You know, it's so your Godfathers are all brilliant and stunning, but they're not putting, you know, millions of bums on seats in the way that these movies do. And the the real lamenting thing is the fact that it becomes such a sort of capitalist venture that people are only interested in that, if you know what I mean, and making money with the, the A plus B equals C obvious template and squeezing out the originality. But I'm hoping Netflix is sl- slowly flipping that switch for yeah, people. I think so,
1: I- actually. Yeah, that's you know, different different times. But there is, yeah, there is some interesting stuff happening. Yeah. Well, there you go. By the way, Jimbo, so we were just talking about toys. But specifically, I was very lucky. I have a Millennium Falcon and an Ewok village and a Jabba palace with the stupid trap door that flipped up, sort of down. So you just send Luke Skywalker flipping off into a tree or something. That's so that, it was a massive design flaw. But there you go. But it was still lovely to have it. little me- memory I have, uh, the Hoth Womper and my Lando from Cloud City. And I went to use the Womper to pick up Lando, and his head just popped off. And, he, and this womper just killed my Lando. I think I tried to glue it back on. It's never the same. You can't turn his head, of course, after that. So that was a massive pity. That was a murder Star Wars moment and a little memory I wanted to share. Did you? What toys did you have, jo uh, I, I was I'm lucky enough to damaged. have a Falcon
0: 2. I had a Falcon 2. I, I didn't have Jabba's Palace. You lucky thing. Well, luckily maybe as well. But <laughs> I could use an eye trying to think, did anyone you know ever have a Death Star? I always looked at that yes. and thought, Jesus, you yeah. can remortgage for but that. But
1: it, was, it wasn't a very good Death Star. It was a cardboard Death Star. It oh, was no. like, it wasn't, it wasn't a big plastic thing. Although, I think I definitely knew someone who had a, not a Star Destroyer, but it was the Rebel Shuttle, I think maybe from Empire. Um, it's fairly large. But it wasn't a Star Destroyer, but yeah, like a people carrier. He had that Stephen Bourne I believe, had this cardboard Death Star and it was like an X and then you know, it was fairly big, like a globe, but it was it was made of cardboard and it had consoles on the cardboard and it looked, you know, it, it looked like the interior of the Death Star. You could stand up your, your figures on it, but it was shit and I'm sure there must have been a better version out there which was produced but Stephen Bourne certainly didn't have it. But I didn't even have that. I did have um, Anakin, which I believe is quite a rare figure. And what I mean by that is I had ghost Anakin from Jedi. Ooh. I had that figure. And so I'm sure had I kept that, I could now be living on a beach earning 20%. So gutted. But there you go.
0: I had the Emperor. Um, I remember having the Emperor and that being nice. quite a, a, a sought after one. I had, um, and the, the, they just really didn't, maybe with the exception of Leia, like they didn't look like the characters at all, did they? Like I remember... Han Solo (laughs) did not look like Han Solo most of the time.
1: Did did you have Mr. Bentham episode four um, Solo? Um,
0: Yes. I I had him and I had
1: Endor Solo with the cool coat, but I lost the coat.
0: Nice. I think I had the Empire one as well with the blue jacket. Oh,
1: that's nice. Oh, yeah, but that was cool, yeah. Um, I had one which I guess is quite rare, which was Luke, um, but as a Stormtrooper. So it was basically a Stormtrooper, but he took off his little helmet it was Luke underneath, the rest of the Stormtrooper. That was cool. But I lost that's the helmet. Great. Yeah. I also lost I lost Bosk. He fell out of the top window of my house and uh, never seen again. And Chewy, I believe from Return of the Jedi Chewy, although not much difference in the toys, I threw him up a tree at Farnham College and he never came down. I was about six. So he maybe he's still there.
0: Maybe so there's lots of go. other little Chewies up there by now.
1: <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, we have all, they're all uh, mutated at this point into Ewoks. So so that's all right. Any other toys you can mention? I had, I don't know, my brother had an X Wing, I believe, and I had a TIE Fighter, which, and the wings popped off, and the X Wing had battle sti- battle damage stickers. So you could put it on and have these like red, you know, the red go faster stripes on the side of the X Wing. And if you push down R2, the wings popped up, you know, like a X Wing, they opened oh, to attack position. Okay. That was cool. Um, and the art who didn't come out, but he was there and he pushed him down. So that was cool. But you had battle damage uh, stickers. So you could put it on so it looked like your X-Wing had been fucked up. But the problem was m- more design flaws. You couldn't take them off again. But so once you'd fucked up your ship, if you tried to rip it off, you ripped everything off. So we just had a fucked up ship forever.
0: Yeah, that, I love the idea of, um, you know, Papa Sheppy going in to take the car for an M.O.T., <laughs> And then <laughs> just saying, "A look, couldn't take a look at this for my son."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it happened. I'm sure. How could it not have happened?
0: <laughs> um, I love it. I, honestly, I mean, I love the toys, of course. I, mean, I don't really have much to say about them, apart from maybe I remembered that the Obi Wan and Darth Vader had really rubbishy plastic lightsabers that sort of went up and down the arm remember uh, that
1: yeah so, yeah I do I mean it was I a like nice it in idea. principle
0: yeah but it's just in
1: principle bit... yeah it was a bit wanky and sometimes you had like a little extra bit like a sausage balloon where you blow it up but you don't do it all the way so at the tip it's like a little wobbly bit like you know um they need to pinch the tip type thing and that oh, that was on the end of my <laughs> that was on my Darth Vader Uh, lightsaber had this little extra bit popping out the side so even when he was fully retracted into the arm still had this little, I don't know, like a a go-faster straw, like a little one of those sherbet, orange sherbet straws Um, (laughs) far too long but yeah, I mean, so it was a good idea my Luke from Jedi you you know, didn't have an extender he just plopped his green saber I remember
0: that Luke, I remember that Luke yeah
1: Yeah, although mine had a bald spot because I scraped him along the wall, his the back of his head along a brick wall at Park Mead First School. So, yeah, it, it sucked to be what I'm like Sid. It sucked to be one of my Star Wars toys. They all got fucked up sooner or later. <laughs>
0: I will say as well, Sheppy, like, just even wallowing in this little bit of Star Wars, we re- I realise, like, we've been doing Shoulders of Giants on this specific franchise, like, our whole lives. I mean, as a yeah. kid that was basically what I was doing with those toys. I was making up episodes, whatever, you know, and just yeah. little battles and bits and pieces and, you know, all that sort of stuff.
1: Oh, it goes into infinity. Everyone's alternative universe, you know, with their games, the infinite games. I will say this, my games with Star Wars figures, I don't think they were ever about Star Wars and they were never Luke Skywalker. It was, they had their own people, their characters, they weren't Han Solo and Chewy. I don't think. Wow, right. It was like they. he was like someone else. And so the bent arm episode for Han Solo, like a private eye. And Chewy was called Chewy. That wasn't that original. But he was like his sidekick. He was still Chewy to his heart. But they were like a private eye and stuff and had adventures. So there you go. So I don't know if that that's odd or not. Because I don't think I was ever, hey, it's Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Jom, Ron jom. I don't, I don't think I ever went
0: that way. <laughs> I did go that way more Sheppy, I think. I, don't think too,
1: yeah. like I feel like I've missed out. I, I cheated myself out of playing Star Wars switch I did play Star Wars in the playground though. Yeah, so that was all right.
0: Oh nice, Sheppy. I think
1: I I think actually I was Han Solo but with a lightsaber because why not? It was
0: <laughs> well was solid. it one of the posters? The poster had that, didn't it? I think. Well, it looked
1: like it? a lightsaber, but it was actually just like a blaster which was firing the beam, but the beam was elongated. It was very, again, misleading, but it wasn't actually a lightsaber. But I always thought that it was on my uh, Star Wars taped off ITV with Richard Pryor's, I think in a car insurance advert at the beginning, like taped off TV in like early eighties, which I just watched that version of Star Wars a million times. And so I know the adverts really well because I didn't want to do them very often. Um, That had the, when the adverts came up, it was that poster. So yes, for years, I always thought Khan had a sabre, he didn't. It's a, it's a bloody blaster,
0: in it? Um, when did they lose the poster? Show? Let's not go down this tangent, because we've got so much to cover, but just to well, quickly, you say I missed the title card, because now, like, you know, you, you're enjoying it, and then it'll just go, boom, straight into the ads and back again. You're like, oh. yeah, And it's all for a reason, but it's just...
1: Oh. It's true. But I mean, even just, like, you buy your know, posters, I and mean, this is such a grand part, but posters, like, you know, obviously aren't as... His- good anymore generally generally there are some excellent ones I like the Avengers ones and stuff in fact they're probably getting better but that you know you buy a DVD and it's always a really shit poster like the Rocketeer the poster for the Rocketeer the Art Deco one is so beautiful But if you buy the DVD it's always this boink rubbish absolute rubbish so I don't like that very much is there anything else you wanted to add just about the toys any
0: particular well
1: let me say this all right, then. A disclaimer also, just in terms of there is obviously a lot of Star Wars out there. The mythology has been whispered about since long before the Internet. Now, I don't know about you, Jimbo. I don't remember exactly how Well, I knew in the playground in the 80s that there were meant to be nine chapters, which Lucas retconned later and said, you know, El Nora's only ever six, hoping that people would have forgotten that. No. Nope. Um, and also, everyone knew that Anakin fought Obi-Wan and had fallen into some lava, and that's why he was all fucked up. But I don't know how, how we actually knew that. Maybe Hamill let it slip on Wogan or something. But. Was it the same with you,
0: Jimbo? Yeah, I think so. And I remember making up that Han Solo. I'd seen some footage of Han Solo uh, doing a suicide mission or something in the Falcon with you. Like, I think there's yes. a lot of urban myth out there without the internet. I guess it must have yeah. been just playground to playground and like beacon lighting in Lord of the thing. Rings. It was amazing, like you know, kids spreading these urban myths about Star Wars. It's
1: true. I do remember you saying um, about how, about the Ford wanting to then you know, them wanting Han to die. And that's true and that's exactly right. And Harrison Ford said that in years later, of course he got his wish, but it's like interesting. And I also remember you said that Harrison Ford um, said that he wasn't gonna be in Return of the Jedi and George Lucas got drunk and ripped up the contract. <laughs> so that's amazing. So I'm glad I, I had I'd forgotten about that until just now. Um, so that's great. But yeah, you're right. It's that kind of like mythology and, and playground whispers, which is the name of my seventh autobiography. So um, it, yeah, it is interesting that you seem to know certain things about it. Um, did you watch Ewoks, the cartoon, and Droids, the cartoon?
0: yeah, probably. Zero recollection. But yeah, I remember remember a little bit of droids probably more than Ewoks, yeah.
1: And of course, Anthony um, Daniels did the voice. Of course he did, that's his career. But I'll say this.
0: I watched Caravan Uh, of Courage at the cinema. I did do that in terms of the spin-offs, yeah.
1: Yeah, nice. I don't know if I did. I, I might have done. I did see it very, very early. But yeah, I hope I saw it at the cinema. I didn't see the second one until... Years later, I believe, if I saw it at all, to be honest. Um, I do remember when I was at Park Mead School, probably just after I'd made my Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker bald on the wall, we, as a special treat, maybe it was Christmas or something, we watched Return of the Jedi and we were sitting in like the lounge sort of area, like the teacher lounge maybe, and there was like about 20 kids watching Return of the Jedi, which is nice. And when one of the, I think maybe Wicket says Beachy Wawa, and everyone laughed because B.G. Wawa was a cool thing to say. But because he said that in the Ewok cartoon, that was like the main catchphrase. It was like "karabunga, dude. They said B.G. Wow, all the time. So people were almost more familiar with Ewoks, the cartoon series, than they were Return of the Jedi. Because everyone was like, oh, like in the cartoon. So that's a weird alternate universe where the cartoon of Ewoks is bigger. than Oh, they made a film, like a live action film, which has Ewoks. Oh, that's nice. It's that sort of that it's weird. weird, weird stuff. Um, nice. In terms of the original mythology, Jimbo, sorry, I don't want to... Did I interrupt you?
0: No, 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 no. I just said amazing. Nice. Under my breath, <laughs> um, which is helpful for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just musical. I love it. <laughs> really nice. um, all right. Uh, well, look, in terms... By way of an example, like, of the, the original mythology as well, like, I, the original script of the Star Wars was, like, I believe, written by Lucas in the early 70s, and it was on the internet, and I, I read the first couple of pages years ago, and it's totally, totally different. Like, the first line is, like, this is the story of Mace Windu, and all that, so it's, like, way over there. Um, and then various versions of the script, you know, changed over the years at one point, I believe, Leia and Luke were going to be introduced right at the beginning as twins, and they were going to be like either 10 or 15. By the way, how old is Luke and I guess Leia, therefore, meant to be in episode four? Do you think? Because I'm really not I'm going sure teenager. how old
0: I, I think he's meant is to that, be uh, a teenager, isn't he? He's are meant we to be saying annoying.
1: 16 or 18?
0: I've got to go 18, right?
1: He looks more 18, but then you never know with these films, it's like Greece. Where Travolta looks forty-seven. Hey man, I'm seventeen. Uh, anyway, we're not going to get into Greece. Um, so no, it's interesting. But I, 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 and you know, Luke's got the Star Killer, of course. So there's all this sort of mythology um, as well. And so I don't know. I'm going to obviously say my own version of things, and I might even be contradicting stuff that existed, you know, in the seventies and eighties. But, you know, what can you do? I'm just going to go go with it. But there was always like a mentor and there was always like the rogue and there was always like a kind of a Wookiee or a big thing or a lizard or some sort of big monster character as well. And obviously it was very influenced by Dune and Flash Gordon and John Carter of Mars and Kurosawa and the Hidden Fortress and the Seven Samurai and the Jedi, are very samurai and, you know, even the Geese. And that's, you know, and also that the world looked lived in and everything had a history. And that was really different because it was like it felt like an old universe and the Jedi is extinct, you know, and being like an ancient religion. And even the a long time ago, which I take for granted, of course, but it's like setting it not in the future is actually genius and not connecting. It's like a galaxy far away a long time ago. It's like no connection to Earth. And also wrapping it up as a fairy tale and also kind of historical fact, fact in a way like legend and like long forgotten mythology. And it doesn't even feel like sci-fi sometimes, you know, it's 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 very much, it's very clever and it you know, cements it. And, you know, and that's something rip offs never actually got right. Most of the Star Wars rip offs all look like the 70s or early 80s version of the future. So it all looks like the 70s or 80s and everything's jumpsuits and thin chrome and whatever hairstyle was popular at the time. You know, I mean, Star Wars has a hint of 70s hair, but that's all distracted because of Leah's buns, <laughs> as it were.
0: Are well, um, you right, Sheppy, that you can really take for granted the pathos of the a long time ago galaxy far far away? It's it's stunning. It's stunning, yeah. isn't it? It yeah. gives and there's nothing like it when I mean we've obviously been a bit battered with all the SOGs since the original trilogy, but um, it, when you're sitting in the cinema and you see that come up and you're waiting for the star wars moment like there's few things to beat it in cinematic experiences there you know in terms of anticipation and all the rest of
1: it it's pretty pure yeah and that feeling um was so yeah i mean so all of this nostalgia that we're talking about that's where i'm coming from with my pitch just in terms of trying to ignore everything else you know um and you know the things from the original trilogy, like um, the Luke and Obi scene in you know in his hut in Episode Four, and from Jedi the Obi and Luke scene on Dagobah, and of the yeah, the Luke and Leia scene in Jedi as well. So that's you know little things like that. Um, so that's 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 from my sort of point of view. Um, do you know just also really randomly? Um, in the like '90s, I guess it was '97. Thereabouts, um, and they were starting to announce things about Phantom Menace and Liam Neeson. It was like announced Liam Neeson is going to be in Star Wars Episode One, and I absolutely thought, and I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I, I can absolutely see him as Anakin. He's got the right frame. He's big. You can imagine him filling out the Darth Vader suit. So that was an interesting assumption, and that would have been a very different. And that's not what I did in my version, but that would have been an interesting. You know, having a 40-year-old Liam Neeson as Anakin in episode one. I wouldn't mind seeing that.
0: Yeah. And that might
1: have been... And I believe Rana was mooted for Obi-Wan at some point, which makes perfect sense with the Alec Guinness of it all. Um, But that, of course, would have been an older Obi-Wan and a very different Obi-Wan. So I wouldn't mind seeing that universe as well.
0: I'm interested in your casting. I was was expecting you to go with him for Obi-Wan, to be honest.
1: Right no, I've gone in a very different direction. You'll be very surprised. Very, I can't very wait, random. I can't shit.
0: Wait. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. well, I'll, I'll temper well, that, Jimmy. Set this again. Well, look,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Um, well, look, one thing I'm going to say, Jimmy, is there anything else you just want to mention? Because I've got something else, because I didn't, I figured this podcast isn't going to be long enough so i so i've got something else i'm going to throw in the mix but well, no, before i'll say that, one
0: thing i'll say just a quickie because um yes yes you, please you said to reach out to people and i i yes. did i didn't get much back but i'll, I'll just give you two little um things Fantastic. one is just um that uh also well, this tell. is
1: um so, then you, so this is just basically reaching out in terms of what we're talking about in terms of asking people their memories of when the, the original trilogy came out and the nostalgia that we're talking about, yeah. this sort of thing. That's lovely. That was a I lovely
0: love tee-up. And um, I, I didn't really get anything back. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <for> a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I did get Absolutely back... Absolutely gutted. <laughs> I did get back a nice bit of uh, factoid from our old pal Hugh, uh, no, who said... <laughs> "Presumptuous." <laughs> yeah. He said that, um, and I didn't know this, but just we were well, talking about the Luke, Luke star killer and stuff. But George Lucas named Luke after himself. Um, and oh. it says so Luke S. So it's always going to be Luke S as in Lucas. Interesting. Yes. Um, but, yeah. um, and then my mum did come back with lots of lovely things. But I'm sorry, really talk- I've got
1: to say, sorry, this is far too late. Please edit this back as if I was more spontaneous. Future Jimmy, future Jimmy. But um, <laughs> so Luke S, he named after himself. Like Han Solo, he was always wanking. You don't even have to use that. But, you know, <laughs> Han Solo, Luke
0: oh, i got Han it.
1: Solo. I got good, it. Stuff. good stuff. It's good stuff. Anyway, feel free to edit all of that out.
0: No, but It's staying. I love it. Um, but the... Um, oh, yeah, just quickly I was going to say, my mum did come back saying, you know, she remembered taking me to Return of the Jedi. And... Um, and I remember that as well vividly. You were saying about the circumstance around it. I was due to go for a friend's birthday. And there was something going on in London, which meant that the Odeon Marble Arch we couldn't get to. So it got cancelled. Oh. And, um, and I remember that my dad was due to take me. And there was some, you know, it was one of those pageantry things they do in Britain. I don't think it was armistice or anything. It was just for whatever reason, the Queen shut down the bloody central London for <laughs> some horses to go down. Anyway. Typical. I mean, yeah. And uh so I that got delayed. And so I kicked up a bit of a stink and we, <laughs> ended, up, <laughs> we ended up going, me and Mum, on the only hot day of the year in nineteen eighty-three oh. whatever it was, back in Brighton. And wow. um we went to the Brighton Odeon. everyone else is outside playing in the sea. It's being Mum are so I'm sure it was busy, I'm sure it was full.
1: She was delivered. And,
0: um, and she was uh and she had there's a lot of subtitles. And titles to read. Shepard. She was oh, reading yes. them all to me in the cinema. Probably very, and the very scroll. annoying. Yeah, <laughs> for everybody around us, she was uh, she was she was giving the translation. I
1: remember and... you telling me this in the eighties that when you saw it the Jedi, your mum was reading the scroll and it was really annoying everybody. So I, yeah, i, I
0: have <laughs> it. Really I to you, she did one for the team.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Would did she enjoy the film or was I she think too so. angry? <laughs>
0: I think she's got fond memories of Star Wars because it was such a big part of our lives, you know, and yeah. us we reenacting the scenes and silly stuff like that, you know. So I think she's got a big soft spot for it. And, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's lovely. Yeah, um, I asked my mum if she remembered anything about episode four. She said, it, it was episode four, is that the one with the whales? Unbelievable. I was livid. That's not true. None of that's true. That's not true. I'm not even going to explain it. I don't care. (laughs) You can cut it out or keep it in. And if you keep it in, maybe someone will get it. Um, But either way get rid of this bit future jimmy because i'm still not going to say i'm not going to explain now even though you're going to cut this bit out i'm still not going to tell jimmy all right it's a start it's a star trek for <laughs> oh,
0: i've had my coffee i knew i was going to say all something right. about um happy star wars didn't go back to earth and try and save the whales as well that would have yeah.
1: been amazing the battle star galaxy in 1980. all right edit point edit point meow meow meow
0: <laughs> oh god future jimmy <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there goes, you know, Thursday, whatever it is of February.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. I think it's great. So presumably you had seen the previous two.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in order for me. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you saw episodes four and five on video.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wonderful.
1: Nice. Do you remember four, the
0: first
1: do you remember the first time you saw Episode four?
0: four or Five? No, Sheppy. To be honest,
1: yeah, me neither.
0: It's well, so embedded, isn't it? Like I, yeah. I will say it was Sheila's. So my mum was basically. This can't be true. I my bloody it's all a jumble, Sheppy. Yeah. I'm assuming I saw them in the right order. Well, I let might, me tell you this: I, I might not have done.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I saw Jedi. Before I saw Empire, and now you would think, because I had seen Episode Four a lot, and then I see Episode Six, so you would think a five-year-old me would be at least like what Vader's his dad? are you talking about Leia, the system? Now what? And like what now? Who? Why is Han a table? What's going? You would think there would be some of these thoughts, surely, but there wasn't. And I remember this day very clearly, eighty-three summer. And I was, I went to Cranley Cinema with Geoffrey Calafala. I remember the day before, the, the afternoon, knowing that we were going to go to Cranley Cinema to see it, um, and I was just hanging out with Geoffrey. And I remember that very clearly around the back of the house in that grassy bit. And I was like, right. And then I remember going to see it, and my brother had been to Fun Splash and had done all of that, and now was in the cinema with the Fun Splash people. I believe he came over and said hi. Me and Califalla, my mother, and I remember there's some loud kids on, in the front row. And I remember sitting there like a little five-year-old curmudgeon, be like, they better shut up when the film starts. And then the, you know, da-da-da, munchies, da da fresh coffee in the foyer. Mm, mm, nah, all of that. Uh, and then I remember little bits, I believe, um, but specifically the, pe- the, the naughty boys who were loud at the front did shut up. But I remember, during the speeder bike chase, they started getting rowdy again. I guess they reached their limit of their attention span. And for a minute or so, maybe even 30 seconds, they got rowdy. And I remember sitting there, you know, 10 rows back being like, ah, unbelievable. And so, so there you go. Those are my main memories of seeing Jedi for the first time. And then it was later I saw Empire. But I saw episode four with Richard Rise at the beginning of the car insurance advert. I saw that version many, many times many
0: many many times. Nice. nice ships yeah i mean vicky and i i'm going to tell you saw star wars doctor who um the one where earth is overtaken and it's peter cushing um, oh, nice sweet. peter cushing double bill by the way um and, oh, of um, course. and then uh, who by the way oh no i'm not going to ruin that for later um, but <laughs> the um and then oh what was i going to say uh, and Jason and the Argonauts. And we watched that basically oh. on rotation. Our next door neighbour, Sheila, shout out to Sheila for really getting me into Star Wars. And yeah. our next door neighbours, while my mum was working a couple of jobs to try and like, raise me and Vicky. But it's just, so that's interesting. So it's like, uh, if my dad was due to take us to return and didn't, and then I've got the memory of episode four, post all of that, of watching it on rotation, Sheila suggests I shuffled the order too, be. Yeah.
1: Well, there um, you go. I love it. It's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I remember all of those little experiences, which, which is nice. Um, and I remember seeing, you know, obviously later the film. I was going to mention two points and I've totally blanked on them. So hopefully they're going to come back in a second. But as you were talking about that and seeing it with Sheila. Oh, yeah. One of them is that Rachel Bachelor, my next door neighbor, who was about a year older than me. She would come round every Tuesday after school because Pat Bachelor, her mother, wasn't home yet. So she would hang out at our house because she lived next door at number twenty-three, and we would watch Star Wars episode four on that tape with Richard Ryers, every Tuesday. And I probably watched it several times a week anyway at that point, early eighties. Uh, and but at the same time, every week her mum would come and collect her, and it was always around the trash compactor scene. And every single week, Rachel would have to go home at that point. And she saw it maybe 10 times to that point, more or less. And she, she was like, ah, and she was so annoyed. So in the end, we, um, the parents were logical. They said, Oh, can we borrow the tape? We're like, yeah. So she finally got to see the end. So that's my little random memory of that sort of thing. So next door neighbours and Star Wars go hand in hand, as it turns out.
0: It's huge built bridges it brought us together
1: <laughs> it's big we built this city on tattoo we i've got some things here i'd like to read out
0: please um, let's do it
1: my, uh, they're pretty epic I, I have to say um i want to say first of all so um robin the Pod potter a uh, friend of the podcast has been great um i mentioned alan dean foster earlier who also ghost wrote the adaptation of episode four which was released, the book was published in like 78, I believe. It was certainly 77 or 78, followed for the press. And I, I read this, in fact, it was 2002 when I was in Thailand and I bought it from some market and so I read it. And it's really hardcore, like when Vader picks up the guy and strangles him, in the book it describes all his bones popping and shit in his <laughs> neck. It's like really hardware, is great. And one thing, the prologue, with. Robin was very good enough to send to me, and I remembered it because it describes, I mean, not very good for a podcast, I don't even know if you can see that, but it describes the old Republic as being like an ancient oak tree, and it wasn't knocked down from without, but it grew rotten from within, and it turned into the Empire. The Empire didn't conquer the Republic, the Republic became the Empire, and that's, that's nice. nice, and that's it's mentioned in the prologue of the Star Wars episode four adaptation. Um, and it's really good. And I haven't read it on purpose. I just remembered that bit, but I didn't want it to interfere with my pod writing. But that was lovely.
0: I love that. That's, that's very good.
1: It's a sweet analogy for sure. So I asked Pob what he remembered about watching Star Wars for the first time. Um, and, you know, he says he remembers it very clearly. He watched it in the middle of the day. His uh, dad, but I'll read it. Um, I think my dad told me I might like it. Then I remember drawing pictures of X-Wings immediately afterwards. uh, And they were very detailed, apparently. And they were really good. He was about eight. And so that's his. And his main visions for the prequels at the time were, and this is Bob, um, based around the conversation Ben has with Luke on Tatooine. Um, I fought along with your father with the Clone Wars. He was a great pilot. And so Potter uh pop kind of thought of him as kind of a biggles type and that would be interesting as well and i and i like that um and no and he didn't imagine vader as a small boy and all of this so that's all interesting um i i would yeah i mean i would watch that sort of thing he he says actually he imagined ralph brown from episode one as that kind of type this sort of like british pilot raf type which is fascinating. Um, I also asked um, Ian, um, and he said, I remember watching it in the late 80s. Uh, he lived, oh, I'll read it. I lived in Bermuda, I'm so jealous. I lived in Bermuda, so we didn't get new movies for years. And when, but in, um, when we moved back to England in 85, people talking in the playground about how amazing episode six was. And I remember thinking there's no point in watching it because I missed the first five, classic. Uh, but then he, uh, then I watched it for the first time in about eighty eight, um, and I was mesmerised. So, but he didn't see them again properly until the nineties. Um, but it's interesting, so I like that. I um, Also, got a nice one. My brother um, was good enough to. You know, he's a few years older than me, and there's. Um, he sent me. He remembers watching it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll at like a, a party, a friend's birthday party. Um, at Cranley School, on this one of those huge, like wood panelled, massive screen TVs that you know you would, they would have at schools and things like that, um, <laughs> which is which is nice. And he remembers I, I remember watching it for the first scene. Uh, had a huge impact. The rolling text, the star destroyer flyover, and he thought, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, he was generally awestruck by the spaceships in space and the lasers and the talking robots and yeah gobsmacked uh, so that's that's wonderful oh, see, um, and there's, I mean... there's so much more I, I i wish i could read everything that everyone wrote because there's it, it's yeah he it goes into such wonderful detail um about it but it's great so thanks for that Stuart.
0: Nice, Sheppy. That's lovely. I um, I meant to ask you, like, did you have a favourite scene from the original Star Wars Episode Four? Like, did it? Because I I remember loving the end, the Death Star assault, which is yes. you know, copied and copied and copied, you know. But I, yeah. I think uh, I loved that bit. I thought it's the best bit because it sort of felt like value for money as well. Because you get that whole extra stuff, right? When you think Leia's rescued, you know. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so. So it's a question, favourite scene.
0: Yeah, I guess as a kid, uh, maybe more as a kid, not now. Like when you are a kid, yeah, was there a yeah. bit you loved? Like- I
1: always loved Chewie, so I just remembered, I liked the bit in episode four where Chewie smacked that guard um, and sent him flying into the wall. I have happy memories of that. And I, you know, it's interesting because of course, I mean, I say of course, but it is sort of obvious, Empire is my favourite and it has been my favourite for a very long time. I'm sure when I was proper young, four was my favourite. I like them all, but it does go five, four, six. Four. But I really like Jedi. It only really occurred to me, like I think the last time I watched it a couple of years ago, it's very much an action film, much more than the other two. And that's never, you know, never really occurred to me really before. So I like a lot of it, and the speeder bike chase, of course, in that is amazing. The lightsaber fights are always good, and the best one is Luke and Vader in Empire. In I don't think it's yeah. too controversial a statement. Um, so it's nice. I could read one from your friend and mine, Alan Wood, actually. He wrote a lovely, lovely message. Um, I'm just gonna read a little, a little bit um, of it, but it's, it's so cool. He um, remembers seeing, when it was time to see Jedi at the cinema, he was with his dad in Glasgow, and, um, but there was a child in the queue who was crying, but dad, I don't wanna see Star Wars to which the dad responded, shut up, you're seeing the film, in, you know, Glaswegian accents. So I'm a big fan of that. That's wonderful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's nice.
1: Oh, and I have to say, his best, um, I'm gonna read this, this is Alan. Um, My best Star Wars memory, and I'm sure I've told you this before, was meeting David Prowse. Um, My dad owned a pub in Whitley, which would occasionally be visited by famous people, um, and then one day his mum came and said, quick, bring your lightsaber downstairs. Uh, this is the old solid plastic tube version. Uh, so anyway, I got downstairs and my mum leads me towards the public bar. She opens the door and a giant of a man stood at the end of the bar. Get him, my mum says. So naturally, you know, he I rush and attack David Prowse. It's a small child at this point, of course. Um, but... <laughs> uh, Krauss promptly picks me up by the throat at <laughs> um, <laughs> different times and uh, spouts some vader esque dialogue at me. Uh, so that that's amazing. And he got his autograph. So <laughs> that that's, is amazing. That's I'm
0: amazing. so glad that Alan's bones didn't pop and crackle in his neck. It's really. Can you really, imagine? Yeah.
1: Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, but that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's lovely. Um, I wish I could read out more of all of these, but there's there's so many lovely stuff. Um, I'll say lovely to Freddie. Hello, Freddie. I was born in 1980 in South Africa. So I grew up in a town that only had one cinema, didn't have a cinema, and only a drive-in, which was only open on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, Caravan of Courage" and so on. He was, he was a big fan of. But it's a, again, it's a lovely, eloquent message, all about relationship with Star Wars. Um, and so then when he and also his dad was a, an avid collector of Mad magazine, and he read all of the Star Wars parodies and so forth. And he also mentions the Timothy Zahn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, which I also read in the early 90s. And that like, was really the beginning. So, again, thank you for everyone to writing. And I'm sorry that just this is going to be such a long podcast that so we can't read out anymore, but it's there was lovely stuff, so thank you for the feedback. Let's get them we'll up mention... on the
0: website, Sheppy. We'll get those up yeah. on the website and stuff. And um, yeah, for those that haven't, do check us out on shoulderspod.com. We put a bit of effort into the episode pages and stuff, don't we, Sheppy? Sorry, meaty stuff, it's meaty yeah. stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'll tell you this oh, you know what about the um Timothy Zahn books. I don't know if you read those. I didn't there were many, many extended universe books of Star Wars in the 90s, but I um, I read the Timothy Zahn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, which is set about five years after Jedi. And I read ones and I'm totally blanking his name. There's another author and a few years later, he wrote a trilogy of Star Wars books where that was around the same sort of era. And there was also the short story collection like Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales of the Bounty Hunters. And there were some really good short stories of those well. One of them where IG-88 becomes the Death Star Jedi and he's going to blow up the Empire and he's going to blow up the Rebels and he's going to rule the universe. It's amazing. Did you (laughs) read any of those books?
0: Not a sausage. Yeah. It brings
1: me to another nice point that, do you remember this? Because people might have forgotten or maybe they don't know this, but I remember distinctly in the late 80s it was not cool to like Star Wars. I mean, That sounds kind of like what a geeky thing to say. Some jock's going to come in here and punch me in the noggin. But, you know, it wasn't cool. Like it was, they even mocked it on Flix. In Flix magazine, they took the piss. Because also it was on TV all the time. So I remember, now correct me if I'm wrong, I remember I lent you my VHS, the Richard Bryers VHS, and you were cycling home but you met some cool boys who were talking to you and you were really worried that they were going to ask you what video you were carrying because it was Star Wars. I don't know if you remember that.
0: Listen, Shepard, the route to your house is for another podcast. Maybe we can stand (laughs) by me too or something. It was fucking treacherous, man. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the Ridgeway was not to be travelled lightly. Um, yeah, no, fair of, play. Uh,
0: I lost a lot of fibers my mum had given me for sweeting.
1: Got <laughs> 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 it. I was like you know, grandma's house. Oh, well, bad luck. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. Yeah, so I don't remember, you know, it was really ninety seven. It was the books, it was the Timothy Arm books that really got people interested again. And then of course the special editions in the you know '97 was testing the water. And they made a lot of money. And so Lucas was then, I guess they want to see more Star Wars. So there you go. Um, love it. Love it all. Was there anything else? Um, Getty, down whilst we talk about?
0: I No, I think we need to get to your bloody picture, yeah, man, okay. because I'm very excited about it.
1: OK, good stuff. I'll, I'll jump in. And of course, I'm, I've, I've sort of written it out. Like I'm just going to. Go for it. I'll read this as fast as I can, this first bit. No, My okay. trilogy, no I'm not talking about that.
0: We're all happy. People can pause. People can go and do the little <laughs> and uh, make a cup of tea. You know, we're all happy. We're, <laughs> it could be a pod of nine parts if people need
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me have some water.
0: Cool. I'm going to go make a coffee as well as you do this too, Shep. I'm settling nice. in. I'm excited. I'm well,
1: excited. so I mean, in, in very broad streets, obviously, uh, I I've just written episode one. Um, but my, I had to have some idea of what the trilogy would look like to write my episode one. So, you know, and it certainly takes place over maybe at least 10 years. Um, so episode one, you know, it has to start basically at the fall of the Republic, you know, the old rotten tree and uh, fear and corruption and greed and the inactions of the good and many for it to fall. Um, now this, my story I wrote in broad, very broad strokes, is essentially standalone in a way. It's not the obvious thing. It's almost like the first 30 minutes of Jedi in that it's not necessarily connected with the overall story of the, you know, the expansion of the Empire. My, this film actually doesn't have any Sith, for example. Um, now, the, the I didn't write the scroll, but, but, but the general gist in this universe that people will find out either through the scroll or exposition and so forth, is that clones in this universe, which again is probably like a good 50 years, let's say before episode four, I'm gonna go a full 50, Um, but but that might not make sense. But maybe 40, anyway, maybe 30, clones are essentially slaves. Uh, Clones are literally as they sound, they're clones, everyone in the outer rim uh, must have DNA taken. So there are millions and millions of slightly genetically inferior because they're copies of millions and millions of aliens, people throughout the galaxy. These clones uh just exist, you know, to do menial shit. And they're, you know, they it's nature and nurture. So they're not like similar to the to the host clone person, the person who generated the blood. Well, they didn't have a choice. But anyway, they're just basically blank slates. Um and they just do, you know, deep meteor drillers, miners, you know, that sort of shit, depending on your physical build and stuff, but it's always probably very expendable, dangerous stuff. And they're they're slaves. And so, you know, when it finally happens, which isn't in my episode one, it'll be episode two, the Clone War is like a fight originally for clone independence, and it's very north and south. And it's fought mainly for the clones, not by the clones. Certainly not waged by them, that's for sure. and So it's not an uprising either. Now, so
0: brilliant, 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 brilliant. Spit on it, Shippy.
1: Nice, thanks. Well, Palpatine, I don't even remember, was he always Palpatine? Did we always know that the Emperor was called Palpatine? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. he's, well, let me say this, I mean, in terms of my trilogy, I mean, of course I'm going to call him Palpatine then, but he's indeed the string puller, and he is the person who's like getting this going he is you know he is basically doing more or less of course he is he's uh, whispering behind the throne and manipulating and he's you know rising up and so forth but the villain in this film isn't a sith and he isn't connected to Palpatine. um now i've called this person who could be a woman by the way um but i'm just going to stick with a can i moment. just
0: quickly say if we had your title and directly stuff, yeah. Okay, it's coming. no, I'm right, just cool. I'm
1: giving the very, very broad outlines. This, you so seem This is the into
0: it. casting, but yeah, cool. Yeah, right, lovely. All right,
1: all right. yeah, we we're not even, yeah, I know. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, in terms of the guy, <laughs> this isn't even it, Jimbo. This isn't even it. Think about that. Think about it. So the villain's called Crim-Sai Sakarat, um, or sakarat, but that sounds too much like a card game. Um I will, yeah. So anyway, he's the idea behind him is he's a strategist. He's old. In fact, he's really, really, really old. He comes from a race which is basically immortal. They live until they essentially turn to dust. And he, what he does, he's like a parasite. He goes into his little ship, and because he lives forever and he goes into suspended animation or whatever, he, he goes for centuries at very high, you know, speed, light speed, proper, for centuries. He wakes up in a totally new area. Centuries. Uh, And then he takes, again, more centuries to build armies and to take over that universe or to do get whatever he can from that system or galaxy. And he lasts as long as he can, maybe another few hundred years. And then until it all falls apart or his plans just, you know, he drains everything dry or there's an uprising or something. Then he basically does the same thing again. He goes off another 500,000 years, fuck it. And then he wakes up in a totally new area and he starts all over again and he's been doing that, and that's essentially him. Um, awesome. So, so he's all right, um, and it could, like I say. And also, spoilers, in this film, he's, not, he's, he's got a presence throughout, all the way throughout, but I don't think we cut away to him. He's not introduced until pretty close, you know, like the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three. It's very Doctor No. Um, Now, also just about the force, it's not just Jedi and Sith, you know, it's been going on for such a long time, the force, you know, so and also, you know, the Jedi were at their height 1000 years before, um, and so forth. But the idea of the Force is, is, you know, it's like a religion with different factions splintering off. And so there's been lots of inter, you know, like Protestants and Catholic type shit. Um, And so throughout the millennia. There have been, you know, religious wars and people differing and stuff like that. Very much church and state as well. Um, but you know, these days the Jedi are not, you know, they're they're scattered. They're not dying out or anything. But they' there are They don't have. They're not directly affiliated with like the Republic or the Senate or anything. They don't have a, an office, you know, like they do. And all the temples are all thousands of years old anyway. They they just basically separate from each other. Um, they are the wanderers of the universe. They might have their own planet with their own temple that's still in use, which is the ground base. But basically, it's like missionaries, and they're just out spreading Jedi rhetoric. Really, is there? It? It's like Obi Wan says. It's you know they were guardians, but even now it's a long time ago. So now they're just sort of wandering around having adventures like pain and kung fu and shit. So the, uh, the trilogy will touch on the themes of how embracing the easier, more volatile dark side, which of course uses negative emotion to draw the power. I always thought this as a kid, I thought the emperor was all fucked up and manky because that would what's happened. You use the dark side and it gives you this power, but it's also, it will rot you from the inside. It's not healthy and, it, and it, so it decays your flesh. I also thought that's why Anakin. I mean, I knew about the lava, but I thought you know that's why he needed the suit as well.,
0: Yeah, I'm with you has this
1: yeah. corrosive effect. So you you stay alive because you're still powerful and you're held together by you know anger and shit. but um, but yeah, so i, I I'm keeping that motif in this as well. the the manky as well. Um, and there's all this but there's no Jedi hub, especially. Um, There may be like a Jedi planet, which is kind of like the Vatican, but I see it more like that. No real power comes from there. You can't control the wandering missionaries anyway, because there's no communication. Internet, there's no, you know, it's not like Star Trek where you can basically communicate. Um, There's no communication. It's like old settlers on Earth, you know, thousands of years ago. You don't know what's happening in the next village or over the lake or, you know, let alone the ocean or over the mountains. So no one knows what's going on. You know, it's like different, different things going on. Now um, I'm gonna I'll say this. I mean, I've written some backstory for, for the main characters, but at this point I'm just gonna get straight to it and I'll hopefully fill in the blanks along the way. So, Jimmy, here we go. <laughs> this is Star Wars episode one. Uh, now I I had two choices, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make my final decision now. I'll tell you what they both are but this is called uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Welded Army. Um, and it's 1988, Jimmy. Um, and it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, uh, hot off, well, obviously Das Boot and The Never-Ending Story. And that's what got him the gig. You know what? I would have chosen Ron Howard um, absolutely for this because it's 1988, it's instead of Willow, but Uh, Because he did Solo, I can't do it, just it, you know, so I see maybe Ron Howard for a sequel, maybe Rob Reiner, but um, this is Wolfgang Peterson. Um, Now, are you ready? I haven't done like you. It's not a very large cast. What was the
0: other one? What was the other title?
1: Oh, I I reckon my episode two will use this title, and it's uh, The Republic of Chaos. Oh, nice. Okay. But I think that probably works better for episode two. There's actually another one, but I'm not going to say what that is. If you remind me at the end, I'll tell you, but it's a spoiler, so I'm not going to tell you. Um, nice, okay. But it's, yeah, so I'm calling this The Welded Arm. Um, now, starring, uh, and you, you're going to be like, what? Um, but as Obi Wan Kenobi 1988, I'm going with Ben Cross okay. uh, from Chariots oh, of Fire, Elisa Badi in First Night and I want to say paper moon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ben Cross It is a strange choice, but if you just think of it in terms of coming off Alec Guinness, it's like, all right, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. Ben Cross, look him up on the internet in 1988, and that's what he looks like. Okay. Um, as Anakin Skywalker, 1988, I'm going with River Phoenix.
0: Oh, nice, and-
1: who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but maybe this will check. Tri- maybe he won't go to the Viper room and maybe he will make it through the trilogy. Uh, I hope so. I hope, he, I hope he makes it through the three. But in episode one, it's River Phoenix, as Anakin Skywalker. Now, I have written down the name of this character, but I'm, I'll find it at some point. It, the first name of this character, new character, is Keela, and she is played by Phoebe Cates. Uh, we also have, uh, Freddie Jones popping up, he from Elephant Man, Dean Croll, many, many, many things. Uh, and as the baddie, and again, it could be a woman, I'm open to that, but I've got here John Gilgood, who is hot off the Oscar win for Arthur, uh, yeah, I'm going full Paul and he's nice. the big baddie. So yeah, it's about, it's about 30 years, I reckon, before episode four, um, You know, if Luke and Leia are three years old in episode three, it would make sense if Leia is going to remember the mother, which she does need to do. And I don't believe this bullshit. They're like a newborn baby. I don't care, Force, galaxies, they're not human. I don't care, it's bullshit. So whatever happens in episode three, that's when, I reckon in my trilogy, Anakin goes full on bad. I mean, it's not too, you know, it's natural. He goes full on bad by the end of episode two. And for episode three, he's basically Vader. That's that's how I've gone. So I reckon probably the lightsaber fight, you know, and, um, and Anakin happens in, at the end of episode two. Yeah. And there will be lava, but it certainly won't be a shit ton of CGI. It'll be cool. It'll be like Temple of Doom with lava and waterfalls, but no sort of floating with, you know, I don't want to get into the whole but it's like, um, it'll be cool. But anyway, that my episode three, I assume, I mean, if they're three years old, the kids, then it's gotta be 15 years before. If they're gonna be 18 for episode four, then yeah, it's gonna be 15 years before by that point. So there you go. So my trilogy takes place over 15 years, which is fine. Um, the Republic, you know, doesn't have any power, but they do police the galaxy in a fashion, you know. Uh, but space is a large place, um, but they do have a presence. You know, the closer to the you know inner rim and the inner section, of course, they have more, more presence. Uh, very little communication, of course. I wanted to go for a kind of a slow burn a la episode four. I think I partly succeeded. I've actually got a prologue, but anyway, yeah, but I will say that the, the main character, is, so you've got your anakin Skywalker, and he's about 18 or 18 to 20. There's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's I'm going to say you know, he's in his 30s. And Keila Ponderia, who is 20, and, you know, she's she's the female lead. And she is going to be, of course, end up as the mother of Luke and Leia, but that's not for another film. Um, oh, yeah. Also, so, Krim sai um he's doing all this stuff, and he's he's been building up shit for a while. Um, He's also either taken over or created this sort of religious cult called the sect, which is like a runoff, one of those runoffs from the force. And, you know, they're neither Sith nor Jedi. They don't even have, you know, they don't possess the force even, but they believe in purity and see the force as the ultimate purity of the universe. And they're very much zealots and very much against clones, which they see as existing against the will of the force. And um, they're they're, Targeting clones, the slaves, basically. Uh, a lot of them are basically space bullies thunks and thugs and pirates, you know, recruited by Krim because, you know, twats. Um, there's a bit about Obi. Um, maybe I'll fill in the gaps a bit later just to save time. And then there's Anakin, who's, I'll just say very broad strokes about Anakin, who's like 18 or 20. Um, I mean, technically, I mean, he's this is the year before last crusade but i think he's playing older than he is as young Indy. um i think he was 18 anyway '88. but anyway um he's from a basically a nice middle-class p- uh, planet essentially um and his parents wanted him to be like a space lawyer or you know <laughs> the equivalent but he's gone off he skipped his studies and is um living a life of adventure basically he's just off rebelling, taking a gap here essentially. I am you know, it's not going to be this glib in the film. But, and it's only, you know, it's his backstory, so it doesn't go yeah. into it too much. But he's, you know, that's basically it. He's um, he's a great pilot, naturally. He's a hotshot, he's cocky. Uh, he has no problem with shooting first, but he is ultimately very moral. Uh, you know, he's, he, I've got him as Han Solo meets Flash Gordon. Um, he, he's obviously very heavily gifted with the force, um, but, you know, it's very, very, very raw material, of course, you know, uh, untrained, unfocused. But the potential, of course, is deep and rich, and staggering. Um, but I will say this, Keela and Obi start the film broken in one way or another. And Anakin is actually the one who's strong. You know, um, Keela is selfish and maybe even shallow. Um, but Anakin fixes them both. Um... Giving them purpose. Actually, you know what? Obi-Wan would be shallow ultimately, and I'll tell you why later. He is just, you know, a bit damaged, but Anakin fixes them more or less. That's right, but again, of course, is the bit I want. Now I'm going to start the film with the scroll, which I haven't written, and um, and a prologue. It's a remote planet and it's colossal mountains and epic valleys, and there's like this ancient, ancient, huge building carved out of the stone at the top of this mountain, like an old ancient university, um, but it's totally, you know, inside this huge, you know, en- you know, the end of Great of the Lost Ark, huge uh, library of you know, wood, uh, stone shelves, thousands and thousands of shelves stretching out, but there's just dust in the shelves now because everything is so old, everything is decayed and turned to dust. And it's all empty. This used to be a huge learning cathedral, library, citadel type thing. But now it's totally empty apart from two people. One is a very old man and it's Freddy Jones, ready for death by the fire and his student. And it's only bloody Obi-Wan in it. And he's here and he's in his twenties and it's Ben Cross and it's no beard. And um, Freddy Jones, who I haven't named, says, uh, you have learnt all I have to teach. Now return to your master and continue your journey. See, uh, Obi, we find out at some point, he was trained by Yoda when he was a kid, and then he was sent to this old dude who was not a Jedi, but was proper academic and knew as much, if not more than Yoda, And just taught him academically. So for at least, let's say, 10 years, from 15 to 25, Obi's been living with this old dude in this deserted monastery thing up a mountain in the middle of nowhere, being very, 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 very bookish and learning everything in theory. But, you know, and the plan is now the old man's dying, he's gonna go back to where Yoda's hanging out in some nice place, um, and then continue his training there. And this has been like, you know, but we're gonna find out that's not what Obi-Wan does. But uh, this guy, you know, he dies, Freddie Jones, so little cameo, really. Um, Kenobi sets the, you know, puts him on a pyre, sets him on fire. He's done something because all the stone catches, all the shelves catch, everything goes up. Uh, Obi's like, you taught me everything that can be learned from the confines of a cage. Now, as I set you free, you have done the same for me, old friend. You want me to return, my master expects me much as well, but so long with academic knowledge, but no experience. The time for academia is over. The time for experience is mine to take. My master sent me here to learn, to grow and to wait. Now he can wait also. And Kenobi walks out of the flaming room and we cut to, you know, he's made some distance and far behind him, you see the ancient building and flames are licking out and it's all going up. Maybe the dust is uh, flammable. I don't know, but it's, it's cool. So, Obi, Obi, Obi walks out and we go to black. Now, it doesn't, we find out through exposition that it's five years later. We, uh, we're in deep space, It's a, there's a semi-large freighter. We meet uh, Keela. Um, she's young and tough and morally questionable. She's a slave trader, a highly dubious position. And she's got, I'm gonna say they're Wookiees, because I seem to remember Chewie was a, was a slave, like, and I'm remembering that from the 80s, by the way. Um, so maybe it's a bunch of Wookiees. Not Chewy, by the way. And I'm gonna also, spoilers, there's no droids, there's no C3PO or R2 in this. Yoda doesn't make an appearance in this film. Um, so don't go expecting any of that. There's no there's none of that. Um, Julie, uh, but you know, she's there, they're all in the hold, these poor Wookiees or whatever she's got. And there's like a skeleton crew, and she's maybe the captain or maybe the, you know, the first mate or whatever. Um She's broken, you know, clearly. Um, so she's smuggling these, uh, these people, these, these rookies or whatever, uh, but um, the space police arrive and it's only the, the bloody Republic. So she must flee. There's a exciting intense sequence where they turn up and you know, all these ships are, uh, appear around hers. And she does something clever and tries to break away, but is outmatched and outgunned. It's not looking good. Um, but this activity has drawn uh, attention and part of the sect turn up because they're attacking just because they're wankers, uh, or maybe because of they want something. The sect gets into it with the Republic, uh, space butler erupts, uh, making the best of the commotion. Keila has the option uh, to jettison uh, cargo into space, maybe a hundred Wookiees. Um, and my God, you know, she's hesitant, but she's gonna do it if it means she can escape. But she loses her chance because she's fired upon She gets into a little ship. I reckon she's got a a second-in-command or a friend who's established very quickly. This is all very quick. Um, He's like a big alien lizard, but he's injured, and she she leaves him there and gets in the ship and and fucks off, and she escapes. Um, And so some of the Republic police vessels pursue, uh, but she sets navigation to somewhere to lose herself, and she goes to the cocoon. Uh, The cocoon is this area in the system. It used to be one very, very large planet with dozens of moons. I mean, it was a huge planet, like 20 Jupiters, 50 Jupiters. But centuries ago, like, I don't know, 50 of its moons lost orbit and crashed into the surface. It's all fucked up. It's just huge chunks, like half the planet and other bits just floating around. But, But again, years and years ago, someone came along or a bunch of different people came along over the years and connected a lot of these big space chunks with like, you know, so it's sort of, sort of a weird organic space station and they're still orbiting around this massive sun and it's, you know, it's got loads of asteroids and little mini planets and shit like that. And so this is the cocoon. <laughs> it, it's a big, you know, yeah, it's like everyone comes there to like sell and lose themselves. And it's a big central hub of this weird place in deep space. Um, so it's a place for wanderers and refugees, and you've got lots of you know opportunity for a Moss Iceland type situation. We're not not a bar, but you know there's a lot of weird people wandering around, a bit like Deep Space Nine. So um, so she she's arrived and she's wandering around, and she's also aware that she's probably got a bounty on her. So she's fighting. She wants to get passage from from this place to go far, far, far away. Um, but she all we also discover um, on board a large number of clones awaiting transport. Um, You know, it's a real refugee situation, thousand, let's say, um, clones, maybe even more, but let's say a thousand. Um, She's exploring, looking for a way to get out of there. She's also aware that there's like, um, other than this mass exodus of clone refugees who are just, they have no place to go. Um, They're not needed anymore. The beginnings of insurrection are, are rumbling somewhere about, you know, clone rights. So they're, they're, they just need to get somewhere safe and they've got a lot of enemies. Um, Kilo is also aware of a cloaked figure lurking about who's also apparently looking for transport, but she doesn't like the look of him and suspects he may be a bounty hunter on her trail. Um, he, she follows the figure and, you know, makes a move to turn the tables, um, but also, you know, she's wandered into, like, some secure area. She sets off an alarm. And you know he wasn't meant to be there, and she's sort of given the game away for him. Uh, and we discover that you know he's not a bounty hunter, and he has his own agenda. Um, and he takes off his hood, and it's Obi Wan, and he's looking much more shabby than when we saw him earlier. he's got a beard now, and he's been wandering around like Kane in kung fu for years. Um, we learn later that he, he's on the base, or you know, on the cocoon. He was following a strange transmission. That had led him there, and you know he's looking around, looking for trouble, basically, because he wants to go back to Yoda or some big win under his belt. Uh, so he, so he's followed this place, you know, followed the beam or whatever to this place. Um, but the suspicious new arrivals, who who suspiciously turn up, they're only probably part of the sect, and they want to destroy the clones. So a big, you know, there were ships attacking and nasty assassins running around. Obi is almost reluctant to get involved, honestly, but he can't help himself, if only for, you know, because he's bored or, you know, he's been wandering around and he's looking for action anyway. So there's a cool action sequence at this point with the sect and with Keela and with Obi and they're shooting and fighting. And, you know, as it turns out, Obi reveals all at once that he's nails as fuck. Uh, At one point, he essentially... Now, uh, the first time I saw a force push was episode one but I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume someone would have come up with a force push. He essentially force pushes around a corner, pushing into a bulkhead, which ricochets off and bounces into this sect member who's pushed through this window of a high walkway to his screaming end. Uh, so he does lots of cool shit like that. Um, and only at the last minute, in fact, when the odds are really stacked against him, does he pop out a blue blade and he really lets those fucks know what time it is. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, during all of this, uh, the reactor has been set in this portion of the cocoon to overload and there's no way to stop the explosion. It's gonna wipe out a huge number of these clone refugees as well as other innocents. When suddenly a small one-man ship bursts through the debris, visible to Keeler and Obi through the huge view screens and viewing windows. The ship shoots some shit, uh, does some very impressive flying, stops the reactor from overloading and saves the refugees and everyone else. And the ship docks and the pilot steps out and Keela and Obi-Wan meet Anakin. And Anakin is a pilot for hire, essentially. And like I said about this planet he comes from, uh, it's very like technology it's kind of a bit, it's not like Coruscant as we've seen it, but it's, it's very technologically dependent, let's say, very comfortable and uh, computer-based and droid-based. It's nice. Uh, But he's been, you know, doing basically as a pilot for hire, almost like an air, a space bodyguard flying. And he's heard of the exodus of clones and he's volunteered to help the clones reach. They're kind of a Battlestar Galactica or Man Max 2 situation where they've got a big ship filled with these clones uh, and it it needs to be protected. And Anakin's going to be one of the ships flying around working defence. And he says to Obi, uh, you know, he saw Obi. You know, do cool shit. And he's like, come on. Uh, you know, you should come with. And Obi's like, yeah. Um, but they need to get the clones to this planet um, where the prime minister has you know made um, made it open as a safe harbor for the refugees. He's like, you can come here because most places are shunning them and sending them away. And they, we don't want anything to do with you, and they're going to get hunted down at some point. So. Uh, this prime minister of this planet, so we need to get to this planet. And Obi Wan basically says yes, not to do the good fight really, but because he wants, he sees in Anakin, he senses in Anakin. Anakin's obviously got a massive potential, and he's like, aha, this might be my ticket to return as a conquering hero to Yoda if I find this diamond in the rough. This is a real find. Um, so you know, he's got selfish motivations really. Um, but you know, so, so he joins Keela is like, this is the perfect way to get out of here. I'll get on this refugee ship. No one will find me. Um, it'll be great. So she goes, the three of them are going out. You know, um, we have all the three principles now together and Anakin demonstrating his ace piloting skills and Obi is dazzled by his potential. Um. And again, Anakin is the most you know, optimistic of the three. So now they're part of this huge convoy. Um, and the next part of the film is that there we have some quiet moments. And we get to know everyone and the three bond, of course. And there are some more skirmishes. So they bond even more. They see each other. The three of them do some super cool shit and work together to be space aces, I've written. And, and again, the three bond. Obi loosens up a bit. Um, he's actually quite a cool guy. Kira takes a shine to both, of course. She likes them both. She likes Anakin's uh, spunk, and she likes Obi Wan's like maturity and coolness. Um, and she, you know, and she and Anakin starts to take advice from Obi. Um, so the Max, ex- the Exodus continues. Everyone's okay. Again, some minor action scenes, perhaps. This would be the time to cut to the villain if we wanted to introduce. But I actually quite like the idea of just staying with them. We'll get to the villain when we get to him. Um, but the triangle begins to fall and jealousy will play a part at some point in the future and not in this film. But it, it does turn into the, um, a bit of a, I love you both, from Keeler's perspective. Um, Obi, yeah, it gets, it gets messy. I don't, you I know, mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to have a little fuck, but it can certainly, little things can be implied. Um, so, you know, convoys are attacked by pilots and the sect and so forth, but only in Anakin, are impressed with each other's skills. Now, we keep hearing about this signal, or this signal which is, which brought Obi there in the first place. Um, it's like, what, what is this? There's some powerful signal being transmitted through space, and it and they can't pinpoint where it's from exactly. But it's it seems to be like it's being transmitted to everything that it can find, you know, ships and droids and whatnot. Um, so there's a bit you know in the convoy, Obi and Anakin, um, you know, are discussing and Keela, uh, It's all sort of unraveling, uh, revealing itself. They're like, what what is this? Um, what's going on? Why is the beam Sort of being secreted and hidden why is the planet of origin you know blocked so they find a clever way of unblocking it they, they you know trace the signal back to its source now it was sent to the cocoon specifically because that from there it can bounce off in a hundred different directions so it's sort of like a nice a bounce off point but they trace it back to the signal and it's from some planet and it's not that far away you know it seems like the cocoon the first place where it was sent to to branch out. Um, so with stolen equipment they discover where it is and it's you know it's not a million miles away um, but it's moving from the outer rim to the inner rim and more and more in. But what is this beam, what, why is it going deeper into the centre of the system, the galaxy, what's its purpose And they discover the truth when it's too late. And around the halfway point of the film, again, it's Star Wars, so it's probably like a good 220, this film. And halfway through, um, the beam becomes active. Now, was I influenced by Order 66? I don't know. Uh, Not knowingly, but the beam becomes active and they activate the droids. And the droids, every droid, uh, rises up and attacks and they're said to go mental just kill any humanoid essentially. And this was what the sect were, well the sect didn't necessarily know, but the big bad guy, gilgud this was him and he sent it out and this was his plan to cleanse the universe, wipe out you know everyone who's around a droid. Um, and so again the droids rise up on this ship, on the on the Exodus ship, and attack everyone. And there's a lot of death even you know, in a tasteful, non-bloody way. But the three heroes, they fight all sorts of droids, protocol droids, R2 units, weird designs, that funny, bulky Bob, Bob him, waiters, mechanics, doctors, they all, they all have to be fought. They all have their own crazy strengths and weaknesses, depending on their design and job allocation. That medical droid from Empire, he can pop up and he has a massive fight with Anakin. It was really hardcore. And the convoy is fucked because of this and it crashes into a planet. Um, The beam is still spreading out, and soon it'll be much worse. Anakin is like, fuck me, my home planet, like 90% like droids just doing shit for everyone, like computers and mobile phones. So it's like, we've got to sort this shit out, and it's just going to go further into the galaxy, and this is going to be madness. Um, So here on this planet with the crash ship and all these uh, clone refugees the three have to make this choice to they continue somehow to try and get the clones to this safe planet or do they scatter and go their separate ways and say see you later, this is nuts or as Anakin says let's go to the source of the beam and fucking stop it before you know it, things go from bad to worse um, this by the way is the welded army, all of the droids that's the reference um, the other title that uh, was something like Attack of the Droids or Rise of the Droids, something like that. So, yeah, it wasn't Attack, because that's too similar, but it was something like Rise of the Droids. Um, so, yeah, they need to stop this fucking uh, beam from the source. Um, Obi and Kilo and Anakin have a bit of, you know, they're like, okay, they're convinced, basically. They're not massive twats. They're like, yeah, fine, let's let's do it. So they, they go. Kilo is maybe, you know, she she's she's being pushed towards the good and she was always a bit ambiguous. Um, So the trio get to the source and they follow the beam and um, it's from this moment in the film, really, that Anakin knows that he has to learn the way of the force because he sees, like, shit's going down and Obi-Wan's, like, hardcore and I do know that I have the force. Um, Obi is just determined to train Anakin no matter what, you know, fortune and glory. So they get to this planet and it's gassy and misty and foggy and shitty. And it exists as part of this like star cluster which is orbiting this gravity imploding mega star or something and uh, on this shitty little planet which is all misty and cold. Looks like, and you know, it's beautiful in a misty sort of murky way. Uh, on a tiny rock island is like a stronghold of some sort. And this is the third act shit. So they infiltrate, uh, they fight through some defenses, including sect and, you know, more droids and stuff, and, and other fucks. I've written uh, all of the pre-established baddies arrive at the same time, of course, for the third act shit. Pirates and the public police, maybe. Um, all of these have been playing a part throughout, and then, of course, we finally meet the villain, who's crim size who's You feel good. He explains his plan, basically. The heroes are in a tight spot. Um, But, yeah, and he appears to have won. That He's got the three. They're fucked, basically. And then they turn it around in a cool way. Um, Obi has a cool lightsaber fight. Anakin does some cool Indiana Jones stuff. Keela destroys the beam device, sending the planet into the center of the star cluster, where the gravity is so strong it will collapse everything. The heroes escape as the whole cluster is sucked in to itself um, due to Keela shifting like a moon's orbit or something. They stop the beam, they fuck up Key Sakurak. By the way, he dies. Uh, He's the pure one and done. In a touch of irony, uh, Keela, I don't know, she opens the door and he's turned on by the droids, of course, that he's programmed and he's killed by Probably be having a, a metal fist punched through his throat, but we don't see that. Um, so, so they escape, and the ship um, is okay, and they make it back to the clone where they left the clones, and they manage to take the clones to this place, this safe harbor with like a nice prime minister. But whilst, just after they've escaped from the planet and everything, and they're flying away, Anakin asks Obi like if they managed to stop the beam before it reached his home world. Obi says yes, and Anakin says few. But in Episode Two, we do discover that Obi lied. The beam had already travelled too far. There was nothing they could have done, and it did reach his homeworld. After that, um, it was already too late. But it got there. All of the droids, you know, it killed everyone. So, in the classic, and you could say it's a search as a reference. Um, Anakin in Episode Two. Goes back to his home world, which he was always taking for granted. That my parents, you know, are angry with me, but I'll go back and be a space lawyer one day. Yeah, and he was taking for granted that they would always be there. And he gets there, and it's like the whole city is just like used to be cool skyscrapers and shit, just smoking ruin, and everyone's dead. Um, So on top of the, you know, love triangle, jealousy stuff, Anakin, of course, blames Obi Wan, uh, and also he blames himself for not going home sooner or whatever, not that he could have done anything. So he blames himself and he directs that to uh, towards Obi-Wan. Um, so it's not good, it doesn't turn out well for anyone. But for now, the three are united and they return to where they left the clones. They get the clones to the safe planet, offering the refuge. They make it, everyone's happy, it's the end. They feel good about themselves. They're united here. They're as united here as they will ever be. They're three strong fighting for good. Obi and Kilo and Anakin, they do have a triangle going on at some point. Um, but again, she likes the maturity and self-confidence of Obi, maybe equally you know, to the bravado and youth and spunk of, of Anakin. Um, but you know, by the end of the film, at this point, Anakin has shown her how to be selfless. Um, Anakin has shown Obi that he does have responsibilities to others, not just himself. And um, Obi has taught Anakin some inkling of his potential, that he is capable of so much more after a lifetime of trying to prove to himself that he's special, thinking that you know he will be able to get home to his parents later, you know, but he's like, oh, but they're so boring, so that's a quick hint later. It is a happy ending of sorts. Now, having finally made it, you know, it's like maybe celebrations, maybe even medals. The clones are safe, they meet the prime minister, Uh, who was there there right from the beginning. We finally meet him, and he's like, you three have proved an inspiration, not just to this planet, but to the system and the galaxy and the universe beyond. You know, you three, this is the prime minister, continues, you have all shown that you have inside you the potential for wonders. You are exactly what this galaxy needs. what we have always needed, he looks at Anakin. He's like, the future starts now. And the heroes bask and the crowd cheers and the Prime Minister applauds. And we find out his name is Minister Palpatine and he is here to help. And that's the end. And it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, blue writing on John Williams' star screen. And that's, that's, that's my episode one. And guess what? I've got some taglines, even though Star Wars, well, I guess it had taglines. I've got uh, the Dawn of Heroes. The birth of power, the beginning, dot, 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 of the end. Uh, Or, at the edge of the galaxy, all fates are decided. And the final one, heroes are born, villains are created.
0: Amazing. Chippy fucking hell, man. Jesus, (laughs) web. Um, Well, look absolutely lived up to the hype that young man it was wonderful <laughs> can i give you a few little things here Please. I mean, have you got pelps played by mcdermott yes just, yeah perfect yeah of course
1: absolutely
0: there's a couple of chuckles you'll hear back when you listen to this in the future like when whenever <laughs> you mention anakin spunk which might be a drinking <laughs> game <for> your... <laughs> um but um and then uh, i just one of the things that um I think you have achieved it with this, but you're on a tightrope, Sheppy. One of the things that I really want to see in these movies is, you know, the Anakin and Obi-Wan happy times, you know, the two working yeah. together in a sort of a partnership, you know, and uh, yeah. and you, I think you've got enough good stuff here where they are working in a team and happy, but clearly there's already some chinks in the armoury. Um, I love that you've gone with a non-Death star end. you still got the same sort of, you know, stakes, yeah. but like different, which is nice. That's really well clever. And um, and by the way, totally unrelated but related, like that is the perfect way to do it, like Hangover Two style. People hate Hangover Two. What I quite yeah. like about Hangover Two is a really interesting way to copy all the same beats, but like yeah. put a different spin on it. Anyway, but yeah. um, but <laughs> I think you've done that with the Death Star slash. You know, suck. If that i guess sense. that
1: as well is like the, the classic james bond thing of getting to the hero's base and then blowing it up and escaping so yeah. i'm sure it's it's that as well but yes thank you yeah and the suck not the blow i think it sucked into the yeah the including
0: very clever and we all know and it's made me think i'm going to ask this question after this but let me just tee it up like we didn't actually even cover immediate reaction to episode one when it happened you know when when what we're trying to do when we first saw it but anyway um you know one of the things that sort of was a real guffaw spit take with whatever popcorn or drink you had was flipping anakin making 3po (laughs) Um, yeah um, yeah uh, i i won i you know, I, I admire your discipline resisting not having a 3PO cameo when you've got all the droids going and him not like just going, oh, oh and hitting someone over the head repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> Sheppy, that was a freaking treat, old buddy. I, I really enjoyed that. True to form, Thank mine will be nowhere near as comprehensive or realised or even just your space station, sort of deep space liner. Wonderful. Ooh. Wonderful.
1: And it was, it was very nice like, to get into it. It was one of those things, actually, it was like Die Hard, actually, where in my mind for ages, I was like, if I do a Die Hard, it will be on a prison. I just knew that would be the location. But then when I actually came to it, I was like, right, well, what happens? Who are the baddies? What, what happens? And I was like, oh, no. And I kind of in my mind, I think subconsciously just assumed, well, it's written in such a prison. I was like, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. So it was like that with this. I was like, well, I know roughly what I want. Um, and I couldn't, you know, but yeah, but then in terms of very, not even broad strokes, like one stroke, just like Star Wars, you know, um, <laughs> I knew what it wasn't. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It's sort of how it came together. But yeah, nice.
0: Uh, let's just do a quick as well. Uh, Reflection on episode one, Sheppy, as well, right? The immediate. Do you remember where you were when you saw Phantom Menace as well?
1: Yeah, right, again. again, actually, it was the same cinema as I saw Return of the Jedi uh, all those years before. In
0: 1999,
1: it was, yeah, it was Cranley Regal Cinema, where we, of course, saw Last Crusade and Back to the Future 2 and Ghostbusters 2. Um, yeah, full on. And uh, yeah, so um, it was there. It was a lovely experience. Obviously, the summer of 99. Is wonderful, the anticipation for that. Oh my God, a new Star Wars film. Um, I have time for the prequels. You know, It's they're not the films that I would like them to be, but they have their moments. And just again, talking about that anticipation was lovely. I wasn't crushed by disappointment when I first saw it. I carried, I rode a wave for a little while. Um, so that was all nice. The day itself, it was a real event because it was Cranley cinema. You couldn't uh, book tickets. So it was pure old school. 99, this was already old school to queue around the block. Uh, so a bunch of us went there. We bought doughnuts, which I think is so adorable. It's like, like we were 10. We bought donuts and coke and we sat and we queued. We got there really early and we weren't even the first, but we were very close to being the first. And then this queue grew. It was a nice summer's day in July. And um, some of us would stay in the queue and some of us would go and sit on the little field on the cricket pitch just across the road and we would eat donuts and drink coke and I got so excited and caffeined, caffeined up and sugared up that uh, I bit Dr Mike on the shoulder I was very excited so so I remember that and it was a lovely experience uh, that you know like the anticipation the build-up it was great um, so yeah what about you?
0: I- I had uh, well, I I saw it in America, sheppy Funny enough, I oh. basically um I I went on a little backpacking thing over that summer from uni, you know that gap, um for about six weeks. So I was it was I was with old Stewie, and it was very smug. Like we thought, right, we're going to see this a few weeks before our compadres over in the UK. <laughs> yeah. When we got to America, like you know all of the Meccas and you know Burger Kings and everything, you know they had it was Star Wars everywhere like you know everything was stole so yeah I mean I think we watched it the first day we got there kind of thing you know just super super excited and um and it you know Beverly Hills Cop three was in the rearview mirror so I was the other <laughs> side of that kind of thing and in it it's I remember actually quite liking it during yeah. it but it really doesn't take long before you realize there's always a bigger fish is a really problematic moment and <laughs> And then, like, you know, Jar Jar is just, it really, Jar Jar unravels in the foyer, doesn't he? Like, you know, you're really like, oh, yeah. And then that bit with the machine gun where he's just sort of like stomping well, down and <laughs> as,
1: as, as for Jar let me just say this. I mean, and I, I, I made a real promise myself, I wasn't going to turn this into, because I mean, like I say, I do have a lot of time. The lightsaber fight and duel of the fates, oh, I all mean, of that. Stunning. Jar Jar is what he is. Um, it's not a great idea to begin with, but, you know, Lucas didn't have... You know, he only had Yes Men for that film, and the technology wasn't quite there for what he wanted to achieve. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. But Jar Jar didn't unravel in the lobby, um, I don't think. I think Jar Jar unraveled pretty much straight away. So, I don't think anyone... I don't know. I wasn't there with my hand over my eyes. I really was. I don't want to paint that picture. I was enjoying it. I did enjoy it. But it was like, okay. But in a way, I think, I don't know, I don't. My expectations were high and I was very excited, but I wasn't surprised. It wasn't a Beverly Hills for me or even a Spider Man one for I me mean, personally. You know, I, I was, it was, it, not not nearly as strong, not nearly as strong, not in the same universe, but not dissimilar to the Crystal Skull, whereas we knew, I'm sure, I, I remember clearly, we knew the Crystal Skull was going was looking shaky. And yeah. again, the trailers for Phantom Menace were great, so I don't know, I don't know. But I think was I was just great. very, I guess I was very open-minded, let's put it that way. I, was, I went into it very, very open-minded, and because of that, I wasn't disappointed, and even watching it, I wasn't like, "Oh my god, Jar Jar sucks." I I let it all wash over me. I saw it ultimately four times. I saw it again two weeks later. I really enjoyed it the second time, and then I saw it uh, maybe a month later because it was there for ages. Of course, I went. Well, yeah, yeah, I went to university and I saw it for my birthday with my mum and uh, Johnny
0: and Sheppy. Like Darthmore, brilliant. And yeah, Obi Wan Kenobi meet Anakin Skywalker, still get a shot yes. from that. It's nice, yes. you know. Um, yes. So yeah. Anyway, all good. All right. I, oh, uh, and
1: we saw. We did. We see it. We saw Attack of the clone
0: Yeah, we did. You we I. We did. I haven't seen it since.
1: <laughs> wow! Wow! I haven't that's...
0: seen Sith since we saw that's, Sith.
1: I haven't. That's seen amazing.
0: Yet. I'm going to. So you and I time. saw
1: two and three which is like we
0: saw them in london yeah i remember i'm gonna give this to the poddies as well because this is my favorite like if yeah. i if, if you go first this is in your eulogy just which i of
1: course know. i will
0: <laughs> but, remember, um, but yeah I, I i just always assume you're going to kill me one day <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> only but, as a ghost
0: <laughs> but i remember us going to watch Sith at the movies and uh in leicester square only in leicester square on the opening day and um and we walked in and you gave it, the old, to the usher. You said, you don't need to see my ticket. <laughs> to it my ticket.
1: What an insufferable twat. <laughs> I bet I was so pleased with myself. In we, fact,
0: we really liked that. I remember us liking that afterwards, like being, yes, they delivered.
1: Mm, but. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, no, good. Yeah. No, you know, at that point, I remember I loved Attack of the Clones um, when I first saw it. I, um and and Sith, you know. And again, the first twenty minutes of Sith is actually what I've always wanted to see in a Star Wars film. In that, I love the slow burn, but just to be like, imagine a Star Wars film where you have the scroll, the camera pans down, and it goes straight into an action scene, and then it fucking does. And that whole extended action scene in the first twenty minutes or so—it's great. I love
0: it. Yeah, I'm gonna bloody rewatch that. I think I really want mm. to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Get drunk. Get drunk and, and watch two and three might as well do the trilogy you're gonna do it or, or you could just jump into number two.
0: Yeah I I I I could re- they're rewatchable Sheppy I they think are. They have their moments yeah
1: we did when episode nine was just about to come out poor old martyr nah well we did one two three four five six seven eight and then we went to the cinema so, like, over the course of like two weeks or so but um Jeez. You know, so just for that, we didn't do like Rogue One or or any solo. That would have been too much. But um, yeah, yeah. So again, that was the last time I saw the prequels. And I, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like watching Diamonds Are Forever. If I was alive and I was me when Diamonds Are Forever came out, I wouldn't be happy. But, you know, I grew up with it. And so, yeah, so it's sort of enough time has passed. It is what it is. It exists. exists. Why not enjoy the good things?
0: all right Sheppy. i'm going to give you my pitch so we can uh, send you to bed sweet prince <laughs> <laughs> um, all right so um we have got i'm gonna straight in here uh now look exact same caveats as you if not doubling down Sheppy. like i've gone with broad strokes because i'm not an officiando i don't you know i could tread over all sorts of law Whatever, doesn't matter. With, you know, like you say, we're basing this off four, five, six, and there's no doubt some chasms here where I've sort of bulldozed over some things that are in stars, doesn't really matter. Um, so one interesting point here, right? No, you you've made it already when you said Lucas said, okay, no, this is a six episode thing, um, and it's the story of Anakin. And we kind of knew that going into this, didn't we? Because I, I just made this one point, which was like, you know, have to accept that it is the Anakin story and we're not going back and doing, like, The Rise of the Jedi or something like right. that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah.
1: That, you know, and that can be a, a even another thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: Um, so I've gone, Sheppy, like, 1998. I've said it's taken the same amount of time to get oh. to this. And Star Wars Episode 1, colon, A New Order. Cool. Um, and so this, for me, is playing on the uh, Jedi Order, nice. the, uh, the clones coming in, and nice. the Order of the Movies. High five. Oh, no, high five.
1: High five. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll allow it. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's 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 a bit of a doubt for the count. I'm, I am. I'm loving it. And also, hey. it's, um, it's the right sort of time musically late 90s New Order so there you go
0: exactly and you know what I've put New Order vocalist and guitarist Bernard Sumner is going to play a guard somewhere. it's a little cameo Genius. and Why on the back not? of what you've said as well I'm going to have Richard Bryars in a cameo somewhere too because he's a big oh. part of stuff.
1: <laughs> he's a part of the mythology he was there from the beginning <laughs> amazing
0: okay. I've got Kirshner coming back Sheppy the director oh, this lovely. lovely. Um, so he's directing it um, and then let me give you my cast list. Holy shit! Strap Fantastic. in. Kershner.
1: Yeah. L- well, let me strap in and say, never, never occurred to me Kershner coming back. Why not? Why not? Just because he only made one good film. <laughs> um, never say Kershner again. So the, the pilot to Sequest. I have faith. So that that's that's really cool. Actually, I love it. <sighs> Uh, what, so, yeah, Cracking. okay.
0: give me give me the cast. I'm oh, sure. here we go. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Jude Law. Oh, 1998 nice. Jude Law, coming in.
1: He looks uh, like McGregor. I mean, he he looks like young <laughs> Alec Guinness a little I bit. I think he
0: does. I think he's got the same yeah. forehead.
1: <laughs> I do, too. Like, Existence. Oh, my God.
0: Existence, wasn't it? Yeah, with the Z. Existence.
1: In that film, the David Cronenberg film from 1998, which I usually can pronounce, um, yeah, Jude Law does look very similar uh, um, to Alan Guinness. That's very cool.
0: Nice. And uh, and funnily enough, I'm going to steal some of your stuff, maybe. Maybe. I have to remember whether it'll fit. But um, I've actually got two handsome devils here because then Anakin Skywalker is going to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio, Sheppi. Now nice. we have we probably both had the same problem. This is not David Bloody Prowse either, River or Leonardo. Let's be honest; like, yeah, it's not yeah. quite the same physical presence. But never mind. We'll do some. It's camera not Liam Neeson.
1: No. By the way, I will. I I did consider 1988's Liam Neeson, but I, I ultimately, I, you know, for my Anakin, you know, which obviously would have been he would have been like thirty, but uh, I couldn't. I I couldn't. You know, it was just like I can't be Liam Neeson. I can't allow it.
0: Um, but he booped really it good, wouldn't he? I, I do yeah. love where you immediately went there episode one. I've, I just feel like Leo's got the eyebrows that suggest he's probably nice. on the dark side.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's got
0: a scowl going. <laughs> um I've then got and I've just been really shit with my names on the new people to be honest with Sheppy, I don't bloody know how to make up a Star Fair Wars enough. name you've done beautifully with yours I mean th- there's a whole thing I found on the internet saying to make your Star Wars name you take the first three letters from wow. your first name and the first two from your last name to make your first name then the two letters from your mother's maiden name yada, yada all this sort of stuff
1: do so you want to know what mine is
0: yes please Sheppy.
1: she be ragu
0: that's bloody amazing <laughs> It <laughs> sounds very saucy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Jamway Calon, so let's deal with that. But uh anyway. That's
1: great. Sounds tasty.
0: It does, a bit Well, I've got playing Genko, your Padme equivalent, um, Jennifer mm. Collinly. So I've just got with Genko. Jenko, oh,
1: <laughs> genius.
0: It'll make it easy to remember who's who in a minute, Shippy. So um, you've got Jenko, And playing with those two boys, I mean, you have to try and do a love triangle of some sort, right? Because yeah. everyone's too attractive not to. So, okay. <laughs> um, Frank Oz is Yoda. McDermott nice. is Palpatine. Nice. <laughs> this is good. I will hope you're having a drink as I say this. Neve Campbell is Darth <laughs> Neve. <laughs> oh. Jesus. Neve Campbell. We are talking Neve about, like, you know, pretty of hot, hot off screen. Yeah, right. She's gonna play a Sith in this Sheppy. And she Wow, is I can freaking. see that. Let's, let's let's give it for the girls. Come on, man. Um, she's gonna be the That's big cool. bad over the three movies. So um,
1: wow, fucking hell. Neve Campbell.
0: Yeah, man. That so, is a nice there's twist. actually there's actually a bit of a triangle here between Jen Co and Darth Neve going on for poor old Leo, but anyway. Um
1: you know what happens when Campbell turns up and she's got, her, you know, she's going to kill everyone. You can say we're in the soup now.
0: <laughs> Good God! Between the record and the Campbell soup. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> we're approaching the two hour mark, I think, Sheffy. so um, I uh, now look, I don't bloody know about this. And in fact, he's, he's, He's only a bit peripheral, and I don't know where Mace Windu is or when he was made up or not. I know it was the originally the story of him, yeah. as he said. But I'm going like I'm going Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. but I just like Jackson at this time. He's wicked. I, yeah, yeah. Why not Brendan Gleeson as Red She Gledin. Oh. So that's just a whole weird. I don't know how I even he made that name up now, but I think it's something. <laughs> uh, so uh, Red She. Let's just call him. So he's another Jedi. Um, oh. But he's kind of Braveheart era Gleason, right? Oh, nice. And I am not doing any droids like you. And I'm not doing much gimmickry apart from one bit of gimmickry, <laughs> which is basically Lucas saying, Erwin, oh, so you can come in, but I've just found this new digital de-aging technology and we've oh. got approval from um, He might even still be around, just no, I think he passed by then. Uh, but we've got Tarkin coming back. Um, Oh, and uh, so we've got Moff Tarkin, young Moff Tarkin, you know, on the up. I I have to
1: say, 1998, you're going to have to just get an actor with a pointy face and call him Moff Tarkin. I don't think you can do a DAger. Well, you can barely do one in 2016. That's probably
0: true. Yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll get a point. Who's a good pointy face? So, what do you reckon?
1: There is no famous Uh actor who could play Tarkin. Um, So, we've just got to scour. The world and find someone with a Mr. Rush face.
0: I like so, that, and then we could just impose a bit of cushing on top, couldn't we?
1: Yeah, well, no, no, no trickery because it will be shit in 1990. I mean, look, it's yours; it's yours to do. It's yours to do. But um, you, you can just get someone who looks like Mr. Rush with big, pointy triangle face. You can slick back his hair. You can accentuate his cheekbones. There are people out there who will be good enough. It doesn't have to be someone famous.
0: I nice Sheppy. Well, look, I've spent more on the, the cast and the title and a first scene that doesn't exist anymore that I have on the rest of it. So there you go. <laughs> so we're going to start with the scroll. We've got our episode one, in New Order. I haven't done the whole scroll, but I can tell you now it doesn't have anything to do with taxes and government. Um, the fir- I've got the first words, which are the Jedi Knights are under threat. That's the oh, first thing like, nice to start with. Like it. and, then, um, and it's a sinister new force that isn't fully understood, which, of course, is going to become Clone Army further down the line. And I think it would be quite nice, like... This is what I've binned, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like to start in space, exactly as we do with the scroll, but then pull back, pull back, some planets at mid-range, pull back, pull back, and then imagine. It's actually in a classroom like a planetarium style classroom and Obi-Wan's in class teaching some sort of shenanigans about oh, galaxies, nice. you know, uh, But then I realized probably two things. One, I like and prefer your idea and also bind this in terms of it being so advanced. Um and I don't want Obi-Wan to be a teacher in the Jedi all be together like that all the time, you know what I mean? So um mm-hmm. that's the main reason to blow it out, but also probably it needs to start in real space every time, anyway. But you know, so anyway, we start in space. Oh,
1: with... I don't know. You don't have to. <laughs> you can make your own. You know, just because the other three, you know, you don't have Anyway,
0: yeah, there's a, a bit of gimmickry for 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 you know one day. But um so let's just say we do start in space. After all, we've got um Mace Windu, Obi Wan, and Red Shear. Brendan Gleeson um, mm. go investigating interesting i just went investigate a space structure but i've put like a service station at a tatooine spot in space like that kind of thing but it's just hovering in space so i didn't go into the beautiful detail you had there but that kind of thing you know your bp with your dodgy (laughs) sausage rolls but in space and um (laughs) and uh reggie is senior jedi so he's the one so reggie is actually senior to mace and to Mm obi-wan um and anyway they've got an, an informant there who's got some um, something to say about this new bloody um the sinister force whatever it is um but actually they are as they're interrogating this informant at this space structure um they are uh, that they're, they're um attacked by darth neve and some troopers basically um, and Darth Neve, we don't really see her face. You don't even know she's a woman yet, maybe. Um, and um, she takes out, she holds off Obi Wan and Windu, and takes out Red She. So Gleason's only oh, in for well. about ten to twelve minutes.
1: Oh, um, I was, I liked him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, when you but, uh, said
1: Gleason originally, I don't know if you said Paul Gleason or if I just heard Paul Gleason. But for a long moment, I was just imagining Dwight, from from Die Hard. Oh, nice.
0: Oh, no, no. I've And actually, weirdly, yeah. I hadn't even thought about his son being in the new one. Yeah. So there we They're go. Yeah, popped. how about that? There but you go. I love
1: it. That's totally
0: unrelated. I just thought he was big yeah. at the time, and that's nice. Yeah. Um, nice. So, um, so anyway, um, you know, of course uh, Darth Neve makes a hasty escape and gets away and Obi-Wan and Windu are left with Reggie and, you know, there's sort of a, a, a bewilderment as to who this incredible Sith was that just managed to do all these awesome hijinks and cool saber shit and all the rest of it. Um, there's no real detail in action here, Sheppy, you know, it's just, I'll give you the broad strokes, as I said. So um, Reggie's death means actually it's Obi-Wan's time to move up in the pecking order. So I I don't know. Like, I, I think I would have come up with the fact that there needs to be some form of hierarchy to the Jedi. Yeah. We've sort of seen yeah. that previously, so um, it is Obi yeah, Wan's time. To step and
1: apprentices. Up. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, so he goes to um, uh, not Dagobah, obviously, but somewhere else where Yoda is at the moment. So Yoda's on his own planet, but a nicer one. Um, so Obi Wan goes to visit Yoda. And, um, you know, obviously time to step up as a mentor, he goes through a sort of Empire Strikes Back style, sort of not necessarily trial thing, but more of a Zen type kind of, you know, a, a bit like a Luke in um, in, in, uh, two, in uh, eight, sorry, you know, where he's sort of on it, he's hovering, you know, and he's trying to, who, who is going to be the, the person I need to mentor out there in the galaxy. Um, and of course, it's going to be a, a young ruffian from Alderaan, Called Anakin. Oh. Um, I've just put that uh, Anakin is similarly mechanically minded to Luke, um, a teenager again, um, and and he's feeling something. He knows there's something going on with him. He doesn't really understand the Force a little bit, like you said around. You don't know what's going on over the mountain. You know he doesn't really know much about it or anything. Um, but essentially, we, we we've left Yoda's planet here. Now we've got Obi Wan and Mace Windu arriving at Alderaan to ask for permission by right. being very respectful and engaging in new territory there's a bit of diplomacy and government style tactics going on here Shabby, but you know a little bit like a phantom Menace, to be asking for permission to to basically um engage and probably remove anakin as one of the residents of that planet um for mm-hmm. jedi training and that sort of stuff or whatever you know um and we we've got our genco assigned from um the now that's just to see, Alderan have got the royal family equivalent, haven't they, right? That's sort of where um, all that comes from. Am I right? Am I remembering Princess. that right? Is that well, well, Jimmy I mean, is from <coughs> Jimmy Smith?
1: Right, remember. right. Yes, it is. I mean, he's absolutely, he's, he's mentioned in episode four, um, not as Jimmy Smith, but that would be weird. But, yeah, I mean, she's Princess Leia, and I'm not thinking of what we learn in the prequels as they exist.
0: No, but she is, either. so
1: it must be. You would assume she's a princess. She's Princess Leia Organa. Leia Organa is her adoptive father. So, yes, they must be royalty.
0: And I think there's Although a bit Although they never of call
1: like... him King Organa, in fairness. It's, it's a bit weird, because they it never say King But what can you do?
0: I think the environment they're in in Alderaan is has got a regal feel, but sort of only as much as the um, the rebel base almost feels at the end of episode four you know that feels very grand when they do the medal ceremony doesn't it but it only, yeah. it's only at that level not the ridiculous that we see in family yeah. and with the waterfalls and stuff so we're just talking that kind of level but they are yeah they have status and all that sort of thing and you know um Jen Co is reasonably trusted senior advisor to the royal family or whatever you want to call them you know um and um the uh so in this scene this is just as probably as deep as I go into a little moment Sheppy because it's kind of the eye of the duck of the trilogy because it's a moment where obi-wan misses if you know what I mean so in this um, in in this uh, establishing moment in uh, in Alderaan where they're to- asking for permission um basically uh, mace notices they've got I've just made up a name as a centurion I don't bloody know what no. mean, but essentially you've got a centurion as one of your guards. I don't trust them. You know, that's not explained in the moment, but Mace sort of takes a look and is like, I, I don't trust the Centaurian sort of thing. And basically we learn later, but a Centaurian is a shapeshifter. Um, but that person is allegedly on side with the with the royal family. Um, and then, of course, as soon as they leave the room, that Centaurian guard, you know, sneaks off and speaks indecipherably. We don't even know. what There's no subtitles. We don't know what they, uh, he says. So but, it, boop, know,
1: boop, boop, boop. Yeah,
0: exactly what I had in mind. And then he runs off. Then we see Anakin. And, and so we've got then that means Obi-Wan and Mace and Genko are being given a bit of a tour of Alderaan to go and try and find Anakin. We've then got Anakin at the local boozer. And then um, he gets, and I quite like, you were saying there's no communication, but I'd quite like it if, like, they had a little layer-esque, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, that they could just flip up and then, you know, something gets activated or something, sure. you know what I mean, and he gets a little, um, an sms type notification by the Royal Order um, that means that he has been, you know, he needs to report somewhere, you know. Um, and in yeah. the bar... hey,
1: that's cool. There's no reason why in yours there can't be, yeah. Space um, he's got book.
0: some extras here, Sheppy. you know, other 90s stars who just want to be in a Star Wars movie as his gang, you know, whatever, you know, that he's having a few weird pink beers with or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and then anyway, Jenko arrives um, at the bar. Sparks are flying. He is obviously very into her, and very attracted to her. Um and um, she tells him that there's a party of people, um, Jedi Knights, that are there and want to meet with him. So he follows her to a hangar. When they get to the hangar, of course, Darth Neve's there. Our Centurion changes. It's not Jenko. It's been the Centurion all along. Um, oh. and, um, and Darth Neve is there with some clones. Um, and she doesn't try and attack him. She understands what he has the potential anakin has and is speaking to him and um and and basically is trying to recruit him i like the idea that darth neve has arrived at alderaan with a young tarkin and well. Tarkin is being very sniffy about what a shithole <laughs> it is because of course he's going to blow it up later. <laughs> yeah
1: never like that place
0: yeah um and that's probably my only in gag nod nod wink, wink <laughs> is, but um
1: this place blows, know what I
0: mean. <laughs> um, the Centurion leaves them in the hangar while they're talking. Um, is walking, uh, you know, I imagine it being quite bustly and busy and what have you. And Obi-Wan and Mesa walking towards the, the bar area, um, with the real Jenko, Obi-Wan clocks in, they um. I don't know they 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 knock him down and they ask him where where you know where, where what have you done what have you done sort of thing and he's like you know you're too late or whatever you know they, they've already got him and so they run to the hangar um they have a classic star wars style extra one of my favorite bits in phantom menace by the way is the impromptu darth maul fight in the desert mm-hmm. i love that moment. yeah um, yeah and, and and uh so it's similar to that you know it's got that kind of energy again they um they they, they battle with neve um and then actually it moves from the hangar and there's a bit of a pursuit um through the uh the, the inner streets of, uh, of alderaan um and in this action scene um essentially we actually get anakin and jenco captured um and um and and obi-wan basically somehow lets go the rope and they're gone basically um, and um, and and essentially this gives us the opportunity a the, the whole thing of the movie then is uh, i guess rescue uh, anakin and jenko for uh, from obi-wan's perspective um, but I, I much prefer you the three working together honestly but like but ultimately for this one anakin and um, jenko to be rescued And we then have the opportunity basically for um, really Anakin to start getting his head turned. And it's actually his initial training is Sith training with with uh, with Darth Neve as well in this first one. Um, And then but while he's been captured and he's with the uh, with, with the with the dark side, he becomes aware of, I guess, the clone plan. He also becomes aware that they are not treating Genko with the same grapes and wine and beautifulness as he's getting because he's got such potential. Like, you know, they're actually torturing Genko. So um he starts to sort of try and get out of that scenario. So I mean, all I'm not at the end quite yet, Sheppy, but all of that really means is that, you know, I actually take him deeper into being a good person by the end of episode one, if you know what I mean, only to snap him back, I guess, in episode nice. two and three later. Um, yeah. Uh, what have I got here then, as well? So, um, then, so, so basically, it's 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 his first exposure to the dark side. Um, they, I like the idea of um, he, it, him, basically the mission of this one then being obviously rescue him. They managed to do that a bit like Episode Four, maybe two thirds of the way through Obi Wan's rescue mission um, comes off with Mace. Um, so they managed to get him and Jenko out, and also. A very small contingent of the clones that have been trapped wherever you know with, with, with wherever they've been held with um, Darth Nave as well. So they've uncovered the kind of the clone plan. A very small victory in freeing some people, and that's basically the movie, Sheppy. There's no big suck, no big bang, mm-hmm. no. Big, the <laughs> rescue mission. Um, lots of lightsaber chicanery. Nice. Um, Yoda only having that little five minutes. Um, mm at the moment no triangle between obi-wan and um and our uh and anakin and and genko and but i think there is the possibility for darth neve to be to have turned his head a little bit as well you know and uh yeah and and maybe you've got Jenko being a bit frosty where obviously she was a bit flirty when it was a sensory god ah. um, so there's some comedy potential there possibly and then uh yeah, but, but, you know, anyway, that, that's kind of where I got to, Shep, That's so sort of the, the plan. Um, and then I guess episode two, we, we we go deeper into the clone stuff. I think that probably, for me, might be more of a, a three-way mission between the three of them. Mm, yeah. Um, and then uh, and, and maybe we kill off Mace in episode two as well to keep the stakes oh, high. Man. I'm just thinking off that's the top a... of my head now, honestly. Yeah. Then,
1: I have to say, really, I mean, it's all cool. You don't really need him to be Mace. He could be any Jedi, and you know, and it could still be Samuel L. Jackson. He doesn't need That's to true. be. It could be Minky Mankey, <laughs> who I'm a cool fan of. But I like <laughs> I like this character, and he could. There's potential for him to be like, yeah, really really cool character, and then of course, yeah, killing him episode. I like two. the
0: Centaurian as well as potential for some of that sort of shit there too. Isn't
1: yeah. There? Um Yeah. Definitely. I'd like to think that I, you know, that we would have come up with some form of clever lightsaber. You know, I don't know. Well, maybe not. I, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to use the double lightsaber, of course. But it, it is cool. Uh, I like the, I like the old double. Maybe, um, I see a. I think actually this is now in the Mandalorian, but I came up with this ages ago, of like a black saber with like a white core. Um, it's kind oh of yeah. Cool and you know, that's, that's kind of nice. Yeah. If you could have a lightsaber, Jimmy, what colour would it be? I'd go blue, shipping Yeah, I'd go blue. blue too. Yeah.
0: yeah. I like a... But not, 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 not New Hope blue. I'm actually talking like a royal blue. Nice.
1: Yeah. 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 I like that. You could have, like, a little twist on the theme if you had a lightsaber with tiny little electricity sparks inside it, almost like one of the balls with, you know, with the electricity goes to your fingers little things where it's sort of like deep purple with the blue saber. You know, so different like lightsabers have sort of
0: different power stuff you could yeah, or even just that
1: yeah fuzzy around the edge.
0: Here's a design for you. You've got the lightsaber there and you have a little ball on the bottom mm. of it. Like it would look like a handle when it's deactivated, but you can press it, it then has the same connectivity as the the lightsaber, but it can shoot off like a boomerang and do something and oh, come back nice. like a magnet at the bottom again as well, right?
1: Yeah. That's cool. cool. It could be like a, a light saber, but like a ball, light ball, like like the cursor, and then just shoot off, and it's made of the same material as the saber. Yeah, with a kyber crystal in the center, something it pops off, and then goes through like eighteen heads, and then pops back again. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, no, <laughs> I like that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful. I will say, I think it was in the Anthony Zahn books. Um, Luke at one point is on. I think it's a Death uh, Star destroyer. And he throws his lightsaber and it spins, and then he uses the force and it does this huge, you know, he like moves his hand and makes the lightsaber, whilst it's spinning, do this huge, like, semicircle around the room and just like chop up like a hundred stormtroopers that he comes back to. And I, I like awesome. that. That's yeah. Awesome. You know, you okay. could do some, you know, some, frankly, some Thor's hammer type shit with the force and throwing a lightsaber. And they never really did. Most of the time when you get a lightsaber to fly to you, you you turn on the beam when when you get the handle, but you can of course, you know, make it fly around and just a bit like the the gray glaive from Kroll and just have that fly around and take some fools out. Uh, I like it. Yeah. One thing about nice. the
0: Thorhammer point as well should be they never really did this, but like to even have a special lightsaber, which only, you know, the truest of heart or or you yeah. know, oh, yeah. the bottom line is at least only one person can use it or something. You know what I mean? Like something yeah. to make like that would be quite cool as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's activated like pure force. So you can only act There's no button, but it, you know, if you're of a certain level of force power, then you can activate it. That's cool. And then it could be, like, Anakin's trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And then, like, right at the last moment in episode two or something, it, like, clicks on, becomes quote-unquote worthy, and it pops up and then he does some mega cool stuff with it. And it could be, like, you know, red centre, but, like, kind of, like, lighter red as it goes out. But by the tip, it's, like, almost this yellow or something like nice. a flame. Yeah.
0: Shepi, yeah. I feel as... A guardian of the agenda, sometimes of our pod, we probably have to call it there. You're absolutely right.
1: It's been a wild, (laughs) wild ride. Again, I want to say a huge thank you to people who wrote to me and told me their Star Wars thoughts. And again, I'm sorry I I had to really heavily abbreviate, but um, it's it's wonderful, and it goes to show. Work
0: out a way of highlighting it.
1: Everyone, everyone, yeah, that's nice. Everyone has such a, a deep connection with this film. It is really, you know, it is nostalgia to, to the point where it is just fused with childhood on a molecular level. So, yeah, it's good stuff. And this has been an absolute joy. I always knew this was going to be a monster, but you're absolutely right, Jim. But let's uh, probably wrap this up. But do you want to say quickly, then, um, what what will the next pod be? I,
0: I will, Sheppy. then. Yes, this is a bit of a curveball one. A uh, quick context... I was asking, gee, you know, what do you think we should do as a, as a sequel? And she threw out Pretty Woman. And I go forward, Sheppy, I go forward and said, who wants to see Richard Gere and Julie Roberts' next step? It ended so happily. It was such a Cinderella story. It's ridiculous. But then the acorn of an idea came to me, which was actually Gere and Roberts re-teamed up for Runaway Bride. And, that they did. Um, <laughs> and and it started to make me think, okay, I'm gonna open up the this is again like a theme we might revisit in the future, but uh but for next week's uh, Pod Sheppy, I just want you to think of an existing cinema team. It could be a duo trio if you want to see yeah. you know Martin Chase and short come back together again yeah. um, but you know, it can be any uh, combo, a troupe, let's say, or duo yeah. you know, I probably will go duo um of people essentially take on different parts in a whole new adventure or uh setting but it's essentially the same actors coming back it's together. a
1: fierce creatures
0: it's a fierce creatures it's the perfect example yeah absolutely so i give you free reign on this Sheppy. it can be any genre any group any time alive dead possible impossible all that stuff so just have some fun That's with great. it and um yeah man let's see what you i'll come say up right
1: with. now I want to see the, the cast of Doctor No, but in a totally different type of film. Not a carry-on film, but some sort of crazy comedy. And it's not even that like Connery's the main character. It's like, you know, Bernard Lee is the main character and Connery is, like, supporting, so they, they change, like, you know, like a carry-on film, different focus. There you go. There's a taster. There's a taster right now. Jack Lord doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Amazing. That's great, Jimmy. That's wonderful. And I'll nice tell you shot. what, I'll, I'll, I've got an idea for a, a pretty woman sequel right now. I'll tell you that for nothing. I so, have to do brilliant.
0: that too. Maybe do that oh, as a quick throwaway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it.
0: But what should we do as a sign off, Sheppy, for this Star Wars marathon?
1: Well, um, I don't know. Is there like a very famous saying or quote? Star Wars something that's become instantly iconic which something to do with something being with you always Uh, the droid will service you forever something like that I think that's exactly uh, the (laughs) quote that's the one I thought so
0: we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.